Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. You're listening to Denver Orbit, featuring voices. I'm going to give you an awkwardly long and uncomfortable list of reasons why you shouldn't shave outside. Stories. Now, he was very outspoken about the effects of, of war on himself. The music from Colorado's creative community. Listen at DenverOrbit.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or most other podcast apps. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast Interviews section. I am Zach, and with me is Brad. And our guest today uh, is the uh, founder of a festival that um, I've had kind of the pleasure of, uh, like, really helping, like, program the last two years. Um, and this year it's changed in a big, bad way um, in for the better in order to include other forms of art. Um, so I thought we got to get the guy who put this all together on the show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to welcome Wade Gardner to the, uh, program. Hey, Zach. Thanks hey. for having me. Hey, thank you, Wade, for, uh, let me just say first, um, cause I'm the lone documentary nerd in the group. Uh, so when you put out the call last year for people to assist on programming, it was a treat because then you get to watch a lot of stuff that you normally don't get to see, um, within the flows of Netflix, Amazon Prime, or even the theatrical circuit. So uh, this is a very interesting uh, situation you put together. Can you tell me how this all got started? Yeah, absolutely. And first, thanks again. This is your second year of helping. And, you know, as, as we communicated back and forth, I really wanted the festival to be able to have a local. Um, uh, I wanted folks from the local, from the community to come and really be a part of it. I think unlike most festivals, they, they tend to, you know, get people that are there forever and maybe it loses a little bit of freshness. So I think what we've done with your help has been great. Um, Ten years ago, this shoot, this will be our 10th year of doing DocuWest. Uh, how it came about was I actually used to work in corporate land and long story short, I hated it. And so <laughs> I was looking, I have a film degree. Uh, and I was looking for something different, and I thought, well, let me see if I can buy a business. 
And long story short, I found this art school. I live in Denver, but the art school is in Evergreen. And I quit my job, cashed in my 401k, sold my house, uh, took out an SBA loan and bought this art school. The reason I bring it up is that was in 2008. And my banker still laughs. I got one of the last loans and then the economy tanked. And so I was out trying to find new business and I uh, ran into a person at the Foothills Art Center in Golden and she knew of my background of uh, in film and then also I had started another film festival called First Look while I was in film school. That was strictly for college students. Um, so she knew that history of, of, of what I've done and she said, Wade, if you could do a one festival, what would you do? And I just looked at her and we were standing at the top of uh, the, the main street, Jefferson, I believe it is, that runs in the Golden. So we were at the, the top of it on the hill looking down and I said, oh, this would be a great place to do it. I'd call it, I'd do a documentary film festival and call it DocuWest. And she <laughs> said, let's do it. And that's how we got started. And it's interesting to know that you've had experience prior to it. Um, the uh, Now, I know a little bit about the process, obviously, because of helping programming them. Um, we're not alone in that. There's a bunch of people who who answered the call to do that, um, uh, including Steve Bissett from Alamo Drafthouse, who uh, uh, came down and helped um, program some of the sections of it. Um, but besides programming and getting the films and whatnot, what else goes into uh, getting this thing off the ground each year? Yeah, another great question for sure, and you're right. Uh, Steve and Kendall also uh, uh, from Alamo um, and Dio, uh, they also uh, help program as to your point, some other folks did too, so it was great to have a good team. And mostly everybody's there for the second time, which is awesome, second season. Um, so other than that, it's really been, uh, the toughest thing has been getting back to a space where we could reclaim and start to rebuild an audience. Um, the festival was in Golden for the first five years, then the executive director, who was my friend, left. Uh, the new ED there said, hey, we don't want to make uh, we have four programs. We don't want to make a film festival be one of the four for a, for an art museum in Golden. I was like, cool. So then I was kind of out in the woods trying to find a, a place, and I won't get into it, but it was you know it was quite a hard road to hoe. And then with Alamo opening last year um, and us being able to have our festival there last year was great. So this year, the biggest thing that's been happening is that. Um, we've rebranded the festival to become the Docuous Film and Music Festival. And so, um, in addition to the films, uh, Zach, like you alluded to, what we've added is a three-night music showcase. Um, I don't have the bands in front of me, but it'll be the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights during the festival. There'll be three bands each night, very well-known local indie bands, and uh, emissions-free, so getting all that in place. Then we've also started a series that we've just integrated and, and launched with the help of the Denver Public Library. And that's a program called Shelf Life. And in Shelf Life, what we're doing is we are bringing in over two days, Saturday and Sunday in Barfly. Um, each day from noon to five, we're gonna have four to five authors and they're gonna come and talk about their nonfiction books and they're gonna sign and sell their books as well because uh, we thought that that was a great extension of the festival. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's uh, the, just a backstop of, do we have all the films, or what films do we need, and how do we get some printed material done, and I have to market. So it's been a lot of uh, uh, fun 
uh, being able to work on these different programs now that we've got this great space at Alamo. Awesome. And then and, and, uh, in addition to getting this all together and set up, you are also a filmmaker in your own right. Obviously, you went to film school. Um, and you did a documentary that has made the rounds for the over the past year and a half, I want to say, because I've followed it, but I still haven't seen it yet, um, called Marvin Booker Was Murdered? Correct. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that, um, it, me being a novice to it as, as it stands? And I, I cannot wait to see it when I finally get a chance. So, uh, But tell me a little bit about how um, that uh, kind of came about. No, absolutely. And thanks a lot um, for the nice words. Yeah, I... Um... I have a film that uh, we are releasing now in 2018. You're right, it's been on the festival circuit for just about a, a year. And um, uh, for those that don't know the story, a lot of folks in Denver have uh, heard the name Marvin Booker, but for those outside of Colorado and, and Denver, um, and those who just weren't aware, um, in 2010, a homeless street preacher by the name of Marvin Booker was beaten to death by five Denver jail guards in the in the city jail that's downtown and not only did they beat him uh, in front of 20 plus witnesses others being there in the jail um, and having the event captured on videotape um, uh, the five jail guards were neither indicted which we know was a very high hurdle but they weren't indicted nor incredibly did they lose one day of pay they actually went back to the job the next day and somebody a few days later said, you know, the optics of this isn't very good, so we're just going to put you guys on paid leave for a couple of weeks. Mm. So uh, Marvin's story was a watershed story in Denver. Um, his death culminated uh, a, very frustrated up a very frustrated community who, <clears throat> after Marvin's death, realized that it was time to take a stand um, so Marvin's death actually uh, rallied uh, the citizens of Denver to really start fighting back and questioning law enforcement. So in 2014, Marvin's family, this beautiful family from Memphis, um, very devout, very faithful family with <clears throat> many ties back to Martin Luther King. Marvin himself was a devotee of, of Martin Luther King. Uh, so much so that uh, uh, he wrote a book about MLK. Um, so Marvin was a very, uh, um, he, 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 he was able to uh, network and meet people and, and, and deal with folks all across all socioeconomic uh, levels. Um, and so in 2014, his beautiful family, uh, their two great attorneys in Denver, uh, Daryl Kilmer and Mari Newman from Kilmer Lane and Newman, um, represented them and uh, there was a trial in late 2014 um, and the Booker family won a 4.65 million dollar settlement from the city of Denver and the five deputies um, and the tragic aspect outcome of it is even though they were awarded money um, they obviously don't have Marvin in their lives anymore and they really to this day uh, believe that justice wasn't done and and that's why um, we've also added which I'm sure you'll probably was going to ask me about um, but that's why we also added a screening during DocuWest of uh, uh, a celebration it'll be on Friday night September 
That'll be 21st at 7, and it's going to be the Marvin Booker and Michael Marshall Search for Justice screening, and we're going to show a film that played at Sundance, um, and right now is not being screened, but in October it's going to be released, um, so we'll get it before it's widely released. Mm -hmm. And uh, that film's called The Sentence, and that night will be to remember two citizens uh, who uh, were killed by law enforcement, and Michael Marshall... Um, is also makes an appearance in our film and his his death that happened in the jail months many months after Marvin's um, has led to some very amazing outcomes with audiences so thank you for mentioning it and I have to say that uh, the film uh, will have a screening in October Zach I'll let you know it's October 18th but uh, I would love for you to see the film yeah yeah I cannot wait I'm a documentary junkie uh, to say the very least um, so being that you have made a film within it, um, can you tell me a little bit about like, w what about that genre? Like really tickles your fancy in the respect of like, like I, I like narrative structure in terms of what I make, um, when I make a film or in terms of what I like to talk about most times with other people, cause you can go off in fanciful directions. Documentaries while intriguing and engaging also conjure up debates and whatnot. So I'm sure that's definitely a, factor into why it's a fascinating genre to explore but outside of that even what 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 kind of motivates you to uh go toward that genre as opposed to traditional narrative storytelling absolutely um i'm gonna sound i, I my answer will be maybe i'll try not to make it too long-winded but i want to add something to the narrative aspect which you touched upon in a little eureka moment that eventually went out uh, on my in my mind the last couple months here but I'll get to that in a moment but you know the b biggest thing I love about the documentary um, genre our tagline is we have issues and <laughs> I think that um, for and I think that that now with the uh, daily newspapers crumbling um, that the documentary art form has really been able to maybe fill the gap of finding those stories that are long form just like remember back in the day, you'd get a newspaper in your hand, and they'd do a you know a week once a week for one uh, a series on an issue for one full week, and mm -hmm. it seemed like they still you still wanted to learn more. So I think documentary film has filled that gap and is filling that gap. But then uh, Zach, you touched on something about the narrative, <clears throat> and what I look at is I look at the editing. As a matter of fact, this year we're going to give out an award for editing. I think editing is so important. But, but to tie it back to the narrative question, twofold. One, um, like w when I edited Marvin Booker, um, I couldn't wait to edit it as narratively as possible using, to your point about structure, um, what I found interesting for me, especially for film nerds, um, is that, and I'll use Marvin Booker as an example, um, if you take a narrative scene and you look at and analyze the films from that, uh, a good film from from the scene what you see in each scene and I know I'm being very formulaic but what I love is the beauty of how the scene narratively is written maybe you start with a positive value you know a couple in bed waking up on their fifth wedding anniversary and then you end the scene where they by the time they get in the car to drive each other to work to work on their anniversary they're almost ready for a divorce 
And in other words, then the next scene dances off of the prior from mm -hmm. a positive to negative, negative to positive. So what I'm driving at is I love documentaries that have that dance to it. And I also like to joke that there's no actors here. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's a very important because if I ever direct a narrative film, um, uh, I definitely want to write one, but in the process of writing one. But um, uh, if anybody ever asked, how should I play this scene? I'd actually just maybe point them to two or three documentaries of, of what <laughs> you're looking for. Yeah. Because those folks are in the moment. And, uh, and then lastly, in, for DocuWest, what we're doing is uh, I wanted to add a biopic, you know, or something based on truth. So uh, our closing night film is not to be announced yet, but I'll let you know here on the podcast on Film Nerds that pretty sure it's going to be the film called Blaze. Ooh. Uh, by Ethan Hawke. Now, it, the film will already have started its run at Alamo, but I, it's funny, I really wanted to bring that film here. Steve said, hey, coincidentally, it is breaking on that Friday, <laughs> and we thought, like, well, let's play it on Sunday as part of Docuous, because I really think that that is a way we can expand the genre, and if we can get people to, more people to come down, then, you know, we can we could take advantage of, of again, celebrating that theme of non-narrative type stories right and and actually probably that, that was a poor choice of words on my end because it probably should be more dramatization than um traditional narrative because it because dramatization is one thing as opposed to documentary filmmaking as a format and an art um when you're um going about um th through the uh process of this now with the music element and whatnot do you try to all tie it into film or do you diversify it as much as possible you know, the idea was to really find the bands that are using art as activism, but that wasn't feasible with everybody's schedule. Yeah. Um, Brittany, yeah, yeah. Brittany from uh, um, Alamo, who uh, helps oversee the bar. I believe she's the manager, um, but but she's a big part of the of, of, of Barfly. She did a great job of going out and finding these bands. So uh, we discussed having some sort of a activist bent I, I think that we need more of that through music and art um because we're not getting it and i think that these bands that we have are really gonna um uh, energize and to be able to offer them for free so there's no cover um, that was very important to us um, as well um, we really want to make uh, docuous same with shelf life we really want to make docuous so you can come and explore and just get into into the genre Cool. Well, I'm going to wrap it up on one final question because uh, just between us documentary nerds, uh, who's your favorite documentary filmmaker? That's a great question. Um, I'll tell you what. Sam Pollard is my favorite documentary film uh, maker. And the cut that he did on Four Little Girls, that was the cut and the tone that I wanted to emulate. The one area, I mean, and it, trust me, my level and Sam's, I'm not comparing, but Sam Pollard is the best right now, I think, working documentarian. He's got the history in his back pocket. But uh, there's this one scene in uh, Four Little Girls where at the end of the scene, you hear this like uh, snare drum coming in, like rain pummeling the sidewalk, and it's done for effect. And, and the person who's great, who helped score the film, we tried to catch a scene like that, but we just couldn't match that. So 
Sam Pollard. I got to strive with Sam. Yeah, no, and that was produced by Spike Lee. Actually, I I have not seen that yes. but that one yet. No, but it's it's on that long list of filmography of Spike Lee's. So you, uh, but it's 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 definitely like a it was a prominent film in '97, and it's something that unfortunately is a little bit more relevant than it should be. <laughs> so that's right. That's yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. um, one more time, Wade. Can you tell everyone what days the festival is going on and uh, where they can uh, find out more information about it? Absolutely. Best, uh, DocuS Film and Music Festival, September 19th through the 23rd at uh, Alamo Drafthouse Cinema Sloan's Lake. Opening night film is uh, Brewmaster um, at Barfly on the 19th. Big film on Friday is the Marvin Booker, Marvin, Michael Marshall film. Saturday we're going to screen uh, Combat Obscura, which is crazy off the rails, uh, 180-degree look at what it is means to be a, in the war in Afghanistan. It'll knock people's socks off. And the festival is the 19th through the 23rd. And yeah, we're just going to make sure that uh, we come out and celebrate nonfiction storytellers. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Wade, for coming down and uh, giving us an interview. We really appreciate it. And um, we really wish you the best of luck on the festival. I know I personally do. Um, and I can't wait to come down there and take a look and see what you've put together. Well, your help was instrumental in putting it together, and uh, thank you very much, Zach, for everything that you've done uh, for DocuWest, and uh, I look forward to uh, meeting you, I think, finally in person uh, <laughs> down there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Wade. Um, and on that note, that's been a Real Nerds interview with Wade Gardner for DocuWest Film Festival at the Alamo Drafthouse Sloan's Lake. Thank you all for listening. Have a pleasant day. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2019 and beyond. I'm Ryan, and with me is Zach. And Brad is back. Hey, guys. Hey, Brad. <laughs> Welcome. And, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. Let me do that over. Award winning director, mm-hmm. editor Bradley Haig is with us. Thank you. The, the, Thank you. Because the, 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 the editing is you, right? Well, I, uh, Ryan and I both edited Ryan Carroll. But uh, the, the editing is you, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. It's, it's There's no one here to say disagree. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't listen to the show. So you're the director, though, correct? Right. So you sucked those performances out of the best ensemble cast. That's right. Acting. So you're, you, I, and I know you as a director, and you'll be sitting there and you're watching your monitor, and I'll you know, throw the, my headphones down. And be like, yeah, what you, the fuck you was go, that? You go fucking cut i'm not buying this you tell him to fuck off the right way or you know what you can fuck off on this set you're like the james cameron you get the hell out of here you're the james cameron of colorado filmmaking that's right no one wants to work with me now (laughs) just kill everyone fuckers and how many thunderbolt sequels do you have in development right now i'm still waiting for the thunderbolt feature length film that's what i'm waiting for i want to do that really bad i'm waiting I'm waiting for the fifth yeah, direct DVD sequel. You got some checks for the budget you want to give yeah, me? yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I got a bag of change. You want it? <laughs> wait. Wait for it. <laughs> nope. Oh, <laughs> got my hopes up. <laughs> I did a drum roll for nothing. Uh, but who won best overall? Uh, the co-creators team. Uh, they made a film called Carrier about um, a woman uh, who is a, like an Uber driver. Yeah, it's like she... a service called Carrier. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Carrier instead of Uber, and she picks up this recording artist who has a pass connected to her, and it's a uh, pretty, um, it's pretty intense, <laughs> intense, and uh, yeah, nice. I don't want to spoil it for them. No, that's um, fine. I, I, I'm hoping it'd be like Bruce Springsteen, 
And she picked him up, and he's like, he'll say, you know, it's one time I was remembering uh, being picked up on the corner by carrier. <laughs> Andy Springsteen fans out there, hello. <laughs> we no? we should we, Brad and I should point out though that as much because I love if it bleeds uh, your film, I thought it was awesome. Um, and I'm Carrier saying was saying that because I'm in the room. No, no, no. It's it's he true. is. Yesterday he <laughs> said, "Have you seen Brad's new film?" I said, "No, he hasn't posted online yet." And he said, "It's a fucking piece of shit." Yeah. But when we do the sh- show tomorrow, I'm going to tell him it's great. And then I spit on the ground and said, "But really, I hate it." I paid twelve <laughs> bucks for this shit. Um, but no, like so, your film's great. Carrier was great, but let's be honest. Karate Kyle should have taken the win for everything that night. <laughs> Karate Kyle is, is the yeah. New... Please describe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Karate Kyle is a karate master in the suburbs <laughs> who practices his skills on fruit until one day a watermelon becomes sentient, a, a poetic watermelon becomes sentient, mm. and they fall in love. And uh, Ryan, you'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff happens. That you go, you see their relationship develop. And then fall apart, literally. Yeah. And I, I, I never thought I'd see that on a big screen ever. Like, it, it was it was better than Citizen Kane. You, you, you've said to me, like, you know, Citizen Kane is overrated. Now I agree. Because Karate Kyle is what cinema can offer for us. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I just love what he buries. I only care about Brad. So. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I care what Brad did. Um, but to bring it back to If It Bleeds, though, that was a smart fucking movie you made. Thanks. Like uh, that's just John and Jason. I would not. And uh, John John's script was fucking stellar. Uh, and Tanya gave a hell of a performance. Like if it wasn't for the Carrier Girl, I would say yeah, I'll give it to her because that's she's she is the lead. She's carrying that movie, which I don't think I've seen her do that before in the other projects, unless I'm misremembering. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of our projects don't have like a lead. It's usually an ensemble. So, well, it's hard yeah. when you have to turn around so fast. You yeah, know? and when you start ha- when you start to get teams as big as we're getting, you know, six minutes isn't a lot of time to devote to one person, unless you know the story is written specifically for one character's arc. So, right, um, it's it's easier to spread everything out when you have you know thirteen people on your team, um, rather than just. Because also, you know, everyone's there for the weekend, giving their free time. You don't want to be like, this, this show is all about this person. Yeah, that's and tough. you can be in the background. It's like, oh, I stayed up for, yeah. So anyway. Well, sometimes you got to write what comes to you. And maybe next time it'll be one person just walking through an alley. Yeah. Next year, we're, yeah. uh, it's going to be our 10th one. So we got some ideas of uh, some clever stuff to celebrate that. So nice. we'll see. You Sweet. Yeah. Matchbox 20s. uh song where everyone here is everyone for being just like they do walking down the street and it's just a dude like rubbing his shoulders with a scarf on brilliant so artsy it is and he picks up you know like a leaf and then he lets it go and your camera follows the leaf down the street and then it goes to a homeless guy and he like puts it on his bed and it completes his bed fuck dude (laughs) is that the video i don't know (laughs) This reminds me of that Family Guy. Joke. I don't know why I picked that song either. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't never. I don't think I've ever seen their music video for that. I don't think I've either. <laughs> I thought you were describing it. <laughs> nope. It's gonna be like you've seen this a lot. I'm assuming. <laughs> it's like I can see that being a Matchbox Twenty video. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I have no I idea. Think the only one I've seen is the one for Bent, where you know, yeah, he where he's in like the, the room, street. right? Or is he in the, what's the one where he's in the room? He's in the room. It's like he's crazy, but he's not crazy. Fuck, I can't remember. Yeah. No, when I heard the song, I'd know it. I'm pretty sure Bent. He's walking down the street like you described. Yeah. So. 
Matchbox 20, uh, email us and tell me. I'm so scared that I'll never get put back together. That song Man, plays. Dude. That, that song <laughs> I had to plays. Do it for 30 seconds. And that's fucking Rob Thomas. <laughs> that song plays you know every fucking that day. Song? <laughs> he sounds in real life. I wish I didn't have to hear it every fucking day at work. Which it, song? Cause the, that uh, put back together. Bent. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Because it's on that, like. You know, department stores have that like radio station or whatever they like plug into. In Twenty years, gotcha. yeah. No, they... Decide, listen to all the hits from the arts. <laughs> I've, I've heard that and didn't tell you this tonight too many times. Um, well, I don't know what that is, but occasionally I hear a good seventy uh, soul song, so that's nice. It no, I got really excited. I was, um, I had a a ride along today, and so I I do this thing with ride alongs. Like, let's go um, to Starbucks and talk about. Um, <laughs> Why you want to work for us? Uh, but Starbucks is really busy, so I went next door to they have like a like uh, breakfast place, and uh, over the, the loudspeakers, Rod Stewart' new song was on, and mm. I know his new songs like really like gaining like airplay. Like wow, who knew? It's it's the best song. Still you got ever. it. Yeah. No, no, it's a good song. Dangers of doing drugs, guys. Don't do drugs. He's what ninety years old, and that's the message he's working on. Uh, no, Talk it's, about uh, drugs. Uh, one, he's seventy three. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna be and, like, he's not ninety. <laughs> two, uh, no, the song's about uh, a kid overdosing, and damn man, the the troubles that you run into in Hollywood. Um, it's it's about a a woman, but I'm pretty sure he's writing it about his son who like had a lot of struggles with that. And he mentioned when I saw him in concert that uh, you know his a couple of his son's friends have died from overdoses mm-hmm. so he kind of wrote a song about what the parents go through it's pretty good that shit is not cool man no it's... don't do drugs i've i've seen some things mm-hmm. and you know the worst thing you can be is have a cop find you when you're dead from drugs i don't think you'd notice no i mean yeah. like for your family and oh. stuff and mm-hmm. um it's not a good look yeah anyway anyways yeah um do we talk about drugs on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Is cast. that even a good Bruce Springsteen? I don't know what the fuck he even sounds like either. I'm just like... Yeah. Thunderoo. <laughs> I can't do it either. Oh, Come on doing this for the now, was... Mine's pretty much just Trey Parker <laughs> singing. <laughs> Let's see. Come on up for the resin. Now you're a man. Man, man, man. One of these days I'm going to give you the lyrics to the to the wrestler and have you do it in that voice. Then you see me. I just love that song. <laughs> freedom isn't free. <laughs> Cause folks like you and me. So if we don't know, throw in a Paco Five, who will? Freedom cost a Paco Five. <laughs> no, you, you went out at pitch too soon. I know. Freedom cost a Paco Five. I think what he does is normal voice for the Pearl Harbor song because it just throws me off. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not. Actually, his... I think that's Matt Stone on the Pearl Harbor song. Really? I think so. That'd be sweet. Like, he, they both sing really well. Yeah, so. I don't know. Maybe it is Trey Parker. I'll have to. I'll send him an email, see what he says. He's from Colorado. We were pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone who grows up in Colorado is pretty tight. Yeah. 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 Don Cheadle, he and I get breakfast every Sunday. Yeah, totally. <laughs> every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw. Peppermint, starring Jennifer Gardner. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast where we will review the movie, play the uh, trailer, and then we'll talk about it and spoiling a movie that's spoiled in the trailers. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about movies we've been seeing, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and HD, 4K, movie news, 
and a segment I call Brad on his moped going around town. He's on Colfax waiting to get to Sixth Avenue. Oh, hark! There's a theater on his right. It's showing Little Shop of Horrors tonight. <laughs> But his moped is still going really fast And he goes to the next theater called the Esquire and that Hey film buddies, follow me around Denver again. But wait, the room's playing at another theater down the street D. Okay, go ahead <laughs> This week at the drive-in, uh, the lineup is Crazy Rich Asians, followed by The Nun and The Meg. Weird. Mm. Yeah. So Brad jumps on his moped and goes to the drive-in for a date night. First, we're going to watch a romantic comedy. Then we're going to watch a nun kill some celebrities. Mm. And then we're going to watch a shark fight Jason Statham me. <laughs> <laughs> it has a big bite. That's when you might drop the mic. You'll be here all week. <laughs> oh, I need to know if that shark is going to track me. <laughs> you can find out if that shark's wearing a wire. <laughs> Are you going to put a wire on that shark so we can track it? <laughs> and then the Esquire Midnight this week is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, wow. Which I haven't mm. seen, so I might... Check that out. Is finally. it the uh, Nolan restored version? I'm assuming it's the so. 4K, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Christopher Nolan's restored version. They played it all week at the Alamo. And Sweet. Man, I should have gone. Damn it. Um, and then uh, open screen night is September 25th. It's the second to last one, so enjoy it while you can. Womp, womp, womp. And, uh, no, no online submissions anymore, so you got to walk it in yourself. Walk <laughs> it in and hand it to them. It's going to be like. I want it to be handed to you, and I want you to run to the Blu-ray player. And as you just before you get there, you trip, and the Blu-ray comes out, and it spins in the air. It's like, and shatters against the wall. No, then it lands in the tray, and it goes Mm -hmm. in, and everyone's like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" And their heads explode. Then you have to clean it up, and it's gross. (laughs) I don't know. I decide I'm going to be weird today. (laughs) I like how all your scenarios end with scanners. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, so, yeah, September 25th, 7 p.m., 5 bucks, the Bug Theater. Come check it out. Sweet. Sweet. And that's what's going on around town. Yeah. (laughs) That's your moped. (laughs) You know what? I'm tired of this moped stuff. (laughs) I crashed my moped. I don't have a moped anymore, Ryan. (laughs) Why did you have to run over the Yorkie in the road to do it? (laughs) He was right there. I have (laughs) insatiable (laughs) bloodlust. Oh my god, he does, and now he's eating it. (laughs) (laughs) Mild mannered filmmaker by day. Yorkie, (laughs) wear Yorkie by night. This is the strangest old time radio play I've ever heard. (laughs) Make a short wear Yorkie. Wear Yorkie, copyright on this podcast. Like, dude's got a wolf face, but like his arms and legs get really short. (laughs) He can't do anything. And I'll I'll lead. So you'd have like a a shot, you know, of a POV of stalking a chick. And she drops her like keys, and she's scrambling them, and it gets really close. And then it comes to where Yorkie, and he goes, burp, 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 
doesn't do anything. Just barks and is really obnoxious. <laughs> Jumps up and down yeah. like in a circle in the same spot. Aww. And then <laughs> she kicks him. That's supposed to be terrifying. I still, think that, I still think one of the funniest... Just a fake dog uh, like an anchorman. <laughs> ...visual jokes ever is in the Simpsons Halloween special where Lard Lad kicks a dog. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it just goes... Oh, Lard Lad. Uh, I think that was Flanders. <laughs> Idly A. That's the same one where they had Paul Anka defeat all the advertisements, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Paul Anka. Hey. That's a weird cameo. <laughs> Last week we found out that Michael Jackson did voice that character on The Simpsons. Yeah. And for and it was interesting reading because Matt Granning said he couldn't um, sing. That was like the contractual obligation is he wasn't allowed to sing. So it was a... Uh, He's saying, at least it's your birthday. No. Was, well, they, they, were, they, they hired a... Uh, sound alike. Sound alike because he couldn't sing. Mm-hmm. For something for con- contractually in the interview with... Was it... Matt Groening, I think it was. It was Matt Groening, and he but... he said that it was really weird because like Michael was sitting in the recording studio while some guy sounded like him singing the song that he was supposed to sing. Weird mm. contracts are weird. <laughs> I remember when we did our first Mile High Horror, and I asked Kane Hodder to be on our show. He couldn't be on it because of a contract. Filthy contracts. Or he was lying to me and didn't want to be on our show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say he wasn't lying because he seems like he's a pretty stand-up dude. I don't think he would lie to me. I mean, I've had people like Tom Savino who's like, fuck you. But <laughs> Did uh, he really? Uh, pretty much. His his fiance, girlfriend, made this uh, wrote this book called Zombie Squirts about bullying, and she was super nice. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe she'll get us in good with Tom Savini. I said, hey, Mr. Savini, if you want to come talk on our show? He's like, no. Oh. Maybe okay. he was busy. I like to think Tom Savini's not an asshole. Uh, he wasn't busy. He wasn't signing anything. <laughs> Dang it. I was there. Well, we got the last laugh. Here we are. And where is he now? Yeah. <laughs> What's he done lately? He's on the burning Blu-ray features. That sounds like fun, though. I wish he, I was he, on the He did burning. design the kills for the Friday 13th game. Yeah. Um, man, Spider-Man's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. <laughs> yep. Anyways, this is movie news. It's real news! Um... The bandit, this better be good, Zach. The bandit's no longer with us. Burt Reynolds died at the age of 82 um, over the weekend. Um, Did you guys have his poster up in your room, too? <laughs> did, did, did you? Yeah. I wasn't right next to my Rob Lowe where he had, like, the in the Lost Boys, there's, like, a Rob Lowe poster where he's like has his underwear like around his... Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The Rob Lowe poster from The Lost Boys mm-hmm. that Corey Haim had in his room. You uh, did you see the That's a deep cut? Did you see the Instagram post that Ryan Reynolds did though, where he did the side by side of his Deadpool uh, bearskin rug uh, poster and Burt Reynolds? He said uh. he did it first and best and naked. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> well, I uh, I read it on the Hollywood Reporter when they talked about it. He said that that was maybe the worst decision he made. Because it distracted from Deliverance, maybe getting the recognition it deserved. Mm. I don't know. It's a possibility. No, Deliverance is okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Deliverance, uh, Smoking the Bandit being obviously the the. the I like the Cannonball Run. Yeah, Cannonball Run is a great movie. Um, its sequel is not bad. It's all right. Um, starting over. Um, longest the original longest chart and the remake actually yeah. he is in the remake of it too. Yep. Did they um, ever create a garbage pail kid called Burp Reynolds? <laughs> they should. <laughs> And his burp is just a mustache. 
Um, for all the roles, <laughs> why are we in Garbage Pail Kids? We should be pumping this stuff out. We need to. We need to have better publicists. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he for all the roles he had though over the years, there's a bunch he turned down that are pretty fucking amazing. Uh, he turned down Star Wars. He turned down Die Hard, and he turned down Terms of Endearment. So it's hard for me to picture him like a badass action star in Die Hard, though. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker! Because he was more of the—he's uh, a laid-back smart aleck. Yeah, yeah, That's he's more of you know the cool guy. Yeah, um, and apparently he was Milos Forman's first choice to play Jack Nicholson's role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I, I did not know Amadeus. that till today. <laughs> Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> Yeah, but it was God that was mocking Daddy me. Daddy told me not to trust you. He said you killed Mozart. <laughs> Mohu, Zot. <laughs> I kill a lot of people. How many times can I reference Last Action Hero on this podcast? That's my goal. I don't know. Yeah, I, think we're we're in, I, so. yeah. I, I think we're up to five billion. Well, I mean, like, overall. Overall. Yeah. Uh, my goal is for that to come out, like, on a super deluxe edition Blu-ray. That'll never happen. Yeah. But anyway, Burt Reynolds, uh, also Boogie Nights, which got him his only Oscar nomination. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I still love him in Boogie Nights. I think he's great in it. But apparently he did not like his um, <clears throat> involvement in it. Um, the last movie he made was The Last Movie Star, which came out like a year and a half ago or something like that. Uh, kind of like got dumped on the VOD slot. Well, he was supposed stuff. to be in Tarantino's new movie. Yeah, that's the other thing. He was scheduled to play the uh, ranch hand who was... Um, uh, I, Y'all hippies uh, killing people up there? <laughs> no. What? I think that's a line. Oh, wait, movie. no. If, if Charles Manson was playing Al Pacino. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, 82. We're not killing fucking anyone. <laughs> we did find out like last week, I guess, that Al Pacino is not playing Manson in that movie, which really sucks. Um, but uh, yeah, Burt Reynolds. Like, my favorite Burt Reynolds thing ever, hands down, is going to probably sound weird. He was in Silent Movie, the Mel Brooks uh, homage to Silent Movies, and he just plays himself taking a shower, and it's a it, big in the shower, and then all of a sudden you see a bunch of hands pop up massaging his fucking body with soap, and then up pops Marty Feldman, Dom DeLuise, and Mel Brooks, and then through the soundless dialogue, they go, how would you like to be in our silent movie? And Burt Reynolds just pushes up against the glass and screams in horror. It's really fucking funny. Um, that setup wasn't. Yeah, well, again, I'm not – this is an audio podcast. That was a visual gag. I'm just describing my love for that particular moment. 82, he will be massive – died of cardiovascular stuff. Fuck. Um, which actually sucks, though. Apparently, he was also in a bunch of financial trouble by the end of his life, like selling mm. off stuff, property in uh, Florida and whatnot. Um, but yeah. Also, well, he's dead. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. Also noted a uh, uh, contestant on Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh wait, that was SNL. <laughs> that was Norm, Norm McDonald. McDonald. <laughs> the worst impression of anybody ever, <laughs> but for some reason, it's still really funny. It's, it is really funny. <laughs> I drew boobs on it. <laughs> um, uh, in regular news, though, um, the upcoming Predator movie ran into a bit of controversy because a scene being a uh, scene's being cut because it uh, scene. the scene featured a registered sex offender who i guess uh, I, he, he we were talking about apparently he he had already he already served his time so um but Olivia Munn noticed it and the, requested the studio remove it and so it's removed so there's one scene missing now from the new predator movie yeah i i mentioned this before i mean 
I'm not excusing any behavior, but if you've served your time, I, I think you should have an opportunity to work again. Um, like, I mean, you know, throw this back to Michael Vick. Michael Vick killed over a hundred dogs, served two years in prison, and was back in the NFL. So, it, it, it's a fine line because what he did is not good. And when you read the uh, the story about it, it's not a good thing. I'm not excusing that, but I mean, how many times? I don't know. If you serve your time, I think you should have an opportunity. He was just going to be like destitute the rest of his life. He can't work. I mean, was he going to work at a Trader's Joe? Um, yeah, that was, yeah, I know. Topical. <laughs> Jeffrey Owens, man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I understand both positions in it. I, I understand you want to distance yourself from it for sure. Um, but you can't, I, somebody, most people have done something in their past. They're not proud of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Brad, you're at that white supremacist rally. <laughs> You were not. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not a. Uh, no. <laughs> Didn't you supply him with the tiki torches? <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, wait. I saw you at the end of Black Klansman. I knew that was you. <laughs> this isn't a good time to bring up my secret side project <laughs> Brad's Tiki Torch Emporium. So. <laughs> <laughs> Get your new tiki torch at Brad's Tiki Torch Emporium. <laughs> Take him all your- <laughs> South Broadway. <laughs> Take open, him all your rallies. Open nine to five uh, every day. That'd be a great fake ad to film. <laughs> no, no. No. no, that's really bad taste. Oh, that'd be so fucking funny though. But I don't think that's really funny. That they use tiki torches. My God, do. Oh, it was dumb. I mean, yeah, because they're really cheap at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that they're going to Walmart? I was going to say Kmart, but you know, well, Kmart's almost out of you business. You got to support corporate America while your rhetoric is filled with hate, and you're marching down the street, man. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. That's what's going on right now in the world. Cool. <laughs> um, on a lighter news. Anyways, don't be an asshole. Quit breaking the law. Um, on lighter news, though, uh, Nick Castle revealed his uh, one scene in as Michael Myers in New Halloween. So apparently he's not in throughout the whole well, thing, which I figured he's fucking 70 years old. He's 70 years old. <laughs> There's some intense scenes. I mean, you're going to oh, make yeah. a 70-year-old do be like, no, break through that door and grab Jamie Lee Curtis and get hit by a car. Um, but, but I'm too old. So, but shut he's... the fuck up and get out there. <laughs> oh, okay. Should I drink a Dr Pepper can like I did the first time? Yeah, that's good. It'll be great publicity. But <laughs> Jason I mean, Blum, <laughs> it, it's it's cool that he just brought him back. I, I I was mentioning this last night. I love the shot in the trailer where it's just his hand and he spins the knife around to mm-hmm. make it so he can make it stabby more. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, he said that um, apparently the 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 moment that he's in it is actually recreating one of my favorite moments from the first Halloween, which is when he's admiring uh, his kill and kind of nodding and turning the head. Yeah. Um, but he's also going to be in the movie throughout because he said uh, in the new one, if there's any interesting comparisons, I do all the ADR for ADR breathing for the shape, even though I'm only in a, in a cameo. So his his breath will be prominent throughout the entire. Uh, feature the film. new uh new soundtrack sounds great in the trailer mm-hmm. oh yeah like nice little nod but it's a little different that is among the many things that has been getting raved about for this film so i am excited as fuckity fuck fuck um uh we got a look at captain marvel yeah which um, looks great yeah it looks awesome. i think brie larson is beautiful and, oh yeah and she looks like carol danvers like big time oh yeah it's a it's a great picture 
And then uh, we also got within that we also got to look at the Kree military team uh, or the the Kree, Kree military team leader Starforce uh, Jula. Um, got to look at some scrolls, and we got to look at Nick uh, or Nick Fury looking young and without an eye patch. Because there's scrolls in it, does that mean they're gonna like maybe Avengers Four says like, oh, the characters that died were all scrolls? Possibly. That's lame. I know. Well, I mean the. If they blend in Secret Invasion, which was a really cool story, they didn't find out their scrolls until they were killed. So I don't know how they would. So in Secret Invasion, when they're when Elektra is killed by the hand, I think it was uh, when her corpse like falls, it turns into a scroll, and that's when they realize that they're uh, invading. I think if they made that the Fifth Avengers movie, that'd be sweet. Like uh, they found, it. and I was reading an interesting theory with um, Spider Man, where him riding on the bus is actually him coming back from the sequel, Far From Home. Uh, but then it go against what Kevin Feige said, where it takes place immediately after Avengers 4. Um, I mean, obviously, you're. But here's he, the thing, is you're not going to kill Spider-Man, you're not going to kill Black Panther. I can see the other people maybe staying dead. Um, especially with uh, Dave Bautista causing all this thing with Drax. So, uh, Drax, I, I think Star-Lord will probably come back. And one person, I, actually, the one person I hope doesn't is Gamora. I think her death is really significant, um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I. Uh... Oh, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> They've had plenty of fucking time to see one of the biggest movies of the year. Uh, leading though into uh, some more Marvel news, Avengers Four is still a work in progress, according to Mark Ruffalo. So they're going into reshoots. Again. Does, does anyone think that's? Like, I don't think that's news anymore. I mean, what major movie doesn't get reshoots? No, but I think that, like, it, it just, they're, re, they're, they're constant. It, they, the way that he described it is that it's a constantly evolving. Yeah, all Marvel projects are. Yeah, so, um, and I'm, I'm curious if it has anything to do with what happened in July, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think that they, they would be dicks and try a, to rework that I shit. Forget, I don't know what movie it's on. I, you know, I don't, I've been really bummed lately the marvel special features are really fluffy mm-hmm. i really want them to get into like the meat of it and it might be because they try to keep everything so secretive and it's saying oh look at this cool battle on wakanda well it, yeah infinity war like they shot the four with, at the same time yeah. so it's hard to like pull those behind the scenes out because yeah i mean there, there's two on like so the first two are okay but then the last two that kind of deal with thanos and what he does are pretty sweet um and you want more like the Last Jedi yeah, special features. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's all I want. Don't worry. It, when Avengers 4 comes out on Blu-ray, you're going to hear the drunk commentary with the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige all just like sipping back whiskey and just going like, oh, yeah, that was fucking tough to film. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't God, know how those guys sweet. do it. Oh, God. Um, also, with Kevin Feige like saying like this is what's going to happen and this is what I learned not to trust when he says stuff for PR purposes because he always lies to me. Yeah, it, he's really, a great man, but he always lies it, to it, me. It's always – it's really interesting. I was looking at the release schedule and after – Spider-Man Far From Home, it's Marvel TBD, Marvel TBD, Marvel TBD. TBD is my favorite Marvel superhero. Um, So, (laughs) uh, I I mean, they're going to have to slowly announce what's happening because they're going to have to start filming those movies soon. Um, By the way, I'd love to direct TBD. You'll never know when he's coming. Um, uh, In the uh, other film news, uh, apparently the writer for It Part 2 said that there's a heartbreaker of an ending, which... You know the ending of it, and mm-hmm. I know the ending of it by watching the uh, movie. Like, there, there's not really anything heart too heartbreaking. No, I, th- about th- the I very think they're going to change it because they're, 
there's no way they're going to make the movie like the book. If they literally have a giant turtle in it, I'm going to be really disappointed. Right, but like in terms of just like the, the writer in an interview said that there was like a, it, it's a satisfying but heartbreaking ending. I think so. I I think I think at some point to make him scary with adults, I think he's going to have to kill a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because and. Like if they deal with the turtle and oh spoilers for a book that's like thirty years old, um, with the giant I'm not joking he fights a giant turtle mm-hmm. is like his one weakness. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in the in the movie and the he tries version. to tie it so all Stephen King movies have like this connective thread throughout them and that one's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I I don't like the book it very much. Um, I, I have a hard time with the stand. I like his more lean stuff, like Gerald's Game, Cycle of the Werewolf. Have you seen the miniseries version of The Stand, though? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, probably more so than a lot of other miniseries I've watched recently. Um, uh, the last bit of news, uh, because you're an officer of the law, Ryan, would you be fun, or would you have fun watching another Police Academy movie? Because Steve Gutenberg says you're getting one, so mm. your opinion doesn't matter in the matter. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, the first one's funny. Uh, but yeah, he said, the next Police Academy is coming. No details yet, but it's in a gift bag being readied. The like, sequel no one asked for. Yeah. Was this, um, was this be the eighth one? I don't know. Seventh? Oh, se- I think it's the seventh. I thought the seventh was Mission to Moscow, or Citizens on Patrol is the, the last one, I think. Mm. I don't remember. Anyway. Look it up on your Google machine. Yeah, the Police Academy movies. Uh, they also, were a thing. Uh, Oscar is ditching the uh, popular film category. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That because is... they're like, no one understands what it is. Yeah, no one knows what you're talking about. Well, to be f- to be clear, they didn't ditch it completely. They're just ditching it for this year, so they're not going to institute it again or institute it until after the upcoming Oscars. And but at least that's what they're they saying got now. so much backlash because they're trying to. To me, it just sounds like snooty studio people trying to throw something towards the best movies of the year, whether it be Infinity War or something else, a movie that is actual a huge achievement in cinema. I don't care what anybody says. You can say it's a popcorn film, but to shoot a movie like that with all the people and how big it is, mm-hmm. I think is a huge achievement in film. Or even Black Panther, which is yeah. a massive achievement in of itself, just like how, like, like that that's the, the most accessible Marvel film uh, since Age of Ultron, for my money, because it doesn't necessarily require you knowing every single bit of Marvel trivia before yeah, going in. I, I don't disagree. Um, so, uh, and, and, but there's also, there's also other films that could have been affected by that, like Crazy Rich Asians, which we might talk about here in a little bit. Like, that's been getting, like, huge business for a romantic comedy and getting great reviews. Um, and then, you know, other stuff like, I mean, I feel like A Quiet Place might have even ended up in that category yeah. if they were going to go through with that. A popular film, yeah, of course yeah, it would. Yeah, so... Um, but again, yeah, they need to work on what that what that criteria is. So I'm glad that they're not going to do it this coming year. So um, yeah. So yep. sorry, Michael Bay, you won't win an Oscar this year. I don't know. I heard he's secretly filming Thundercats. So I heard a rumor that said he wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. It's like on Netflix or something. Probably not true. Thundercats. Oh. I think that's what Michael Bay sounds like. I just imagine he it. sounds he's like this. Boom! Pow! Pop! I'm gonna have an explosion Ka-tra! in a snooping camera. <laughs> no one can direct like me. <laughs> just stands on a mountain with an American flag well, in the background. Well, I'm not gonna lie. His action shit's pretty awesome. He knows how to direct action. Oh yeah. The rest he, of the stuff. Mm. He knows how to make a 
fast moving, efficient action movie. But he really struggles with comedy and drama. Uh, I beg to differ with Pain and Gain oh in terms God. of comedy. That movie's fucking funny. Oh God! It it's is. only good because of the rocks in it. Well, Anthony Mackie. Everything, everything he touches is gold. Yeah. Anthony Mackie's good in that flick too. Yeah, but the yeah. rock's better. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he's he's there. He's good. He, he actually, I would say he's really good. But I think he's the goofiest of the three. No, the movie's good. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that's news. We also get Blu-rays sometimes. Are we getting Blu-rays this week? Zach will let us know. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, I don't know. Do you want Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life on Criterion Blu-ray? If I want to sleep, sure. <laughs> it's a forty-dollar nap, Brian. Need some white forty dollars? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's, I'm sure. Fuck, it's the, I'm, I'm sure it's the twenty-four ninety-nine. I just just kick me in the balls. That's way better. Criterion ranges from like twenty-four to yeah. 40, but though, so. I'm not a big Terrence Malick fan. I'm a dude. I got. I found a copy of it at work. Um, the standard one. Mm. I want to rewatch it. I remember not like having the same opinion where I'm just like, this is boring, but. I'll give it another chance. He makes things look interesting. Yeah, for sure. And then sure. it's really boring. Yeah. Um, on the new release front, though, uh, Ocean's 8 is coming to 4K, Blu-ray, and... Uh, boring. Best, Best Buy's got a steelbook. I liked it. It was fine. Um, Kate Blanchett looks great in it. He was, she was great in it. Did you not see it? I did see it. It's garbage. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> sad for you. Um, not sad for me. I'm sad for people that had to sit through that shit. Like me. I paid for it. <laughs> Mike, sweet. Could they reference Danny Ocean one more time? Because that'd really make this movie awesome. That was the worst part of it for me. To right. make it good, he should have shown up at the end. I agree. What else was George Clooney doing? Selling Save, tequila and making millions of dollars. As no espresso, also. Yes. And saving the world with his new wife. I know. I was like, God, I can't believe he's married. That really like shocks no, me. No, it's so. awesome because his wife is really attractive, and she's like this really awesome humanitarian lawyer. Yep. You're going, wow, that lady is awesome. Yep. Um, but also the remake of Superfly, which I didn't know happened, mm-hmm. but, um, I will maybe check it out. Um, on so the, it's like Cronenberg's, but they just put a cape on it. No, 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 no. Superfly is a, is a Zach. I know. Okay. I, was, I, I actually wasn't sure if you knew that. <laughs> How long have we known each other? Like, I, I know. Christ I know. Almighty. I know far too long for me to, <laughs> to think I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Why so Although s- now, <laughs> I want to see a fly with a cape on it called Superfly. <laughs> Copyright Real Nerds Podcast. We need to get to animating that It's now. time to buzz to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to do it in a day because I die. Just an hour and a half of a fly with a cape just standing on a pile of shit and eating it. <laughs> it's, oddly enough, it's our, it's, our, it's, it's our attempt to create ch- content for children. So uh, he, the fly flies down. He's like, hmm, something stinks in this. And he's literally on a piece of shit, and there's like dead flies all around. Hear a tube in the background. He has his powers from radioactive <laughs> shit. Oh, <yes>. <laughs> 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 he turns into a giant like Baxter Stockman type. Yes! That's what I want all of my life is super fly. He looks like Baxter Stockman. But his powers aren't that impressive. (laughs) But why does he need a cape if he can already has wings? I don't know. Just gets in the way of his wings. That could be a conversation. It'd be like a stupid, like, Aqua Team show where it's just super fly. And it's just, you know, some random dude's like, why do you have a cape if you have wings? What do you need the cape for? Kill me. (laughs) Is is arch nemesis is, is the swatter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can start drawing this shit, Brad. 
<laughs> Mild-mannered housefly by day, superhero superhero by night. No- Wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. He died of fly swatter. Never mind. Show's canceled, kids. Uh, yeah, you should have moved on. Yeah. <laughs> you can also get uh, Christine in 4K now. Um, I heard that 4K transfer's pretty good. Yeah, and that steelbook actually looks pretty is fucking it? awesome. It's like a car ad. Um, um, I'll pull it up and show you. It's like a car ad. From the, oh, yeah, they from have the that one at Best Buy, not in 4K, but yeah. I guess they're just covering it over. Yeah. I don't know if I like the movie enough to upgrade, though. I, you know what? I enjoyed watching it um, recently um, just it, for the special effects. Is it $30 much. worth of upgrading? I don't know. I'd probably not. Black Friday. It looks fine on the on the Blu-ray. So. Yeah. Um, uh, from Scream Factory, we've got uh, Brain Dead. Uh, with, the Bills. Yep, with the Bills and The Seventh Sign. Demi Moore? Yep. You know it, son. I've, um, I've seen those movies. Brain Brain Dead is really weird. I love that cover. I've never seen this movie. Um, Seventh Sign is meh. It's like a normal possession. I don't remember. I know it's not that good. I think Demi Moore's <laughs> naked in it, though. Demi Moore in a normal naked possession. Uh, and then also, um, I guess Halloween's getting a steel book at FYE. That's interesting why do they get it and i don't at best Buy. who knew fye still exists yeah that's another good question well they there's te- one in the mills well they, yeah because that's a that's the second spin that's where they took all the inventory from the colorado boulevard store so if you want to pay five more dollars and everywhere else for your dvds and blu-rays it's a place to go yeah also the most recent uh second to last season of big bang theory on blu-ray if you guys are interested in that nope, nonsense. garbage oh yeah absolutely i'm glad it's ending. you know it's one of the shows that i noticed the laugh track in mm-hmm um, I love Friends is my favorite sitcom and there's a laugh track in it, but I don't, I mean, you notice it obviously, but it doesn't stick out. Dick Van Dyke has a laugh track, but the Dick Van Dyke and Friends sound like real laughter where this one is, yeah, I'm the green arrow would never shoot an arrow like that. <laughs> it would fly through the air and stick in the side of the wall and just shatter. <laughs> We're nerds. Did you know Stupid. that creator of Big Bang Theory uh, is the singer on the Ninja Turtles 80s cartoon theme song. Is he really? Yeah. Well, he makes lots of money. So it's really my jealousy that something so stupid has been on for 12 years. <laughs> I thought it was more. I, I think Jim Parsons has the most annoying voice. When he was in, in that animated movie Home and it was in the trailers and he was the alien, I didn't want to see it because his voice is obnoxious. He's good in Hidden Figures, though. Um he, like he he's tolerable, I guess I should say. No, he's fine in Hidden Figures because mm. uh, Hidden Figures is awesome. Because Kevin Costner stops racism. <laughs> yes, it did with the with the crowbar. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, also, uh, the 4K of Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. He doesn't stop racism. He, racism. He just makes that uh, blacks only bathroom accessible to whites. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Does he make the white bathroom accessible to the black people? We don't see it on camera. So you I don't know, know what? We don't know. Mm. Maybe the director's cut. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, that's Blu-rays. Awesome. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call We Watch Blu-rays Throughout the Week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad? Well, I've missed a few weeks, so... Buckle up, boneheads. You're going for a ride. Let's try to get through this list, this very long list, as quick as possible. Um, But I want a detailed description of each thing you've watched. Oh, God. (laughs) All right, so Superbad was playing at the uh, Alamo last nice. week. And One of the greatest credit openings ever. Totally. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I hadn't watched in a while. Although, 
um, in the Me Too era, it's a little cringy. To, mm-hmm. Like, obviously, kids in high school talk and, like, have... But to, the, the way they talk about being possessive of these girls that they want to mm-hmm. date is just, like, a little, you know, 10 but, years later, like... I don't know. I, I I don't think... Do you think um, high schoolers still... T- I think they're... I'm guessing they I'm still sure talk they that way. probably say worse stuff. Yeah. But... Yes, and three-quarters of a hand job. But who's counting? <laughs> but it, my, my percep- perspective watching it, you know, 10 years ago versus mm-hmm. now, it's just like I see on... I'm watching on a, at a different level. I get it. I can appreciate yeah. it. So, though, I mean, I watched Philadelphia Story and some chick gets smacked by Jimmy Stewart. I'm like, meh. He deserved <laughs> it. It was the times. Yeah. Um, so... Wow. <laughs> Uh, just today, I watched uh, Perfect Blue, which is an anime about... Um, I'm just kidding, by the way, if people think I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jimmy Stewart or yeah. hitting women? <laughs> um, yeah, Perfect Blue is an anime from, like, I think, 98. Yeah, 97, an older um, one. About, like, uh, you know, a pop idol dealing with becoming a serious actress and the pitfalls with that and everything and the psychological torment that goes on. It's it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, psychological... Horror, I guess. Also, Who Done It? Yeah, because there's a bunch of murders going seen it on. In a while, yeah. The animation's fantastic. I, I was really into that kind of anime um, when I was in high school, and then I kind of fell off it. And I, I mean, I remember that one and Ninja Scroll are the ones I really remember. I mean, I watched the Street Fighter one, um, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, and that one stayed with me because I thought it was different. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. You just reminded me I watched Akira. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, Perfect Blue is not on Blu-ray here, really, in the states, which is a little frustrating. So is it on DVD? Yeah, oh, okay. the DVD. Um, and also Ninja Scroll, like manga entertainment, I guess, got folded into Lionsgate a couple years ago. Did it really? Fucking Lionsgate. So there's all these rights issues with everything. Yeah, and Lionsgate doesn't really shit on Blu-ray. So uh, yeah, I, I wish they would uh, get their act together because I'd like to have that. Yeah, Lionsgate, get it fucking together now. Um, so yeah, I watched Akira, and I didn't realize I was reading the internet that they changed the dub. Um, around 2001. Hmm. So did they really? A lot of the, yeah. So a lot of the, um, Eng- the English uh, stuff that I make fun of it for isn't in the <laughs> current version. <laughs> they did it to teach you a lesson. <laughs> yeah, they don't yell Kanade and Tetsuo back and forth as much. <laughs> um, and then it's not Cam Clark's voice for uh, Kaneda. So mm. he voiced Leonardo and then Ninja Turtles. So, um, I also watched Tusk again. For the first time since the theaters, it's on Netflix now. Oh, but I thought that was a movie that no one. What? Oh wait, you no, you like Tusk. Never mind. Or I thought Tusk it. was fine. Okay, and it's still fine. My favorite part is when uh, Michael Parks dresses up in the walrus suit. Fight me, Mister Walrus, me. or you will yeah. die. <laughs> um. So, like, but yeah, Wallace is such a piece of shit that you're like, I don't care if he's a walrus or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. So yeah, it, I think it's pretty fun. I love the scenes between the two. Um, it, it falls apart at the end for me when they go visit him in the zoo. I think it's lame. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I actually, Kevin Smith th- actually said on his recent podcast that like, that's a lot, like that's a common feedback for him. Like it should have ended when, you know, with Johnny Depp trying to shoot him. Yeah. I, but I still appreciate it because I think it's the first time I think Kevin really tried something different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, his other stuff was pretty much the under the same, and this is uh, like in- coat, I guess. I mean, it had different stories, but raunchy comedies. Um, whether it's Zach and Mary or Dogma, it's still at the end of the day is, you know, a poop monster and someone getting pooped on. 
Red State's like the transition, and then yeah. Tusk is the full-on transformation. <laughs> no pun in, no or connection intended on that one. But I, I like the ending, like the very end of it, because I like the way that they bring it back to that amazing scene with Genesis Rodriguez in the movie. But um, <clears throat> I haven't watched it in a couple of years, so. Well, you watched the shit out of it when it came out. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking decompress a little bit yeah no exactly call, uh, call me back in 10 years <laughs> sticking with netflix i watched uh young guns which <laughs> why was up. that cool <laughs> doesn't hold up at all it's it's just like the whole movie is hey we got these actors in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like a revenge thing and yep I, they're like criminals but not i don't know well it's it's, it's, it. it's basically reimagining of outlaws in the old west okay to make them like a brat pack kind of outlaws where they're all look how cool Billy the kid is. And I mean, Billy the kid in real life is a fucking murderer. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, and then I also watched Silverado, which is, is that the uh, Antonio Banderas? No, that's, um, Kevin Klein. Oh, okay. Kenny that Glover. one. Yeah. I'm thinking of Desperado, mm-hmm. um, which I never really hear anyone talking about as, as far as Westerns go. So, um, it's like better than young guns, but still it was, mm. The only cool thing I thought about it was how, like the the four characters that come together, um, how I'll have disparate stories and then they actually flow through one another, um, pretty well. But other than that, it's pretty standard Western fare. Um, and then had this get made. Um, when I went to the live show, one of them was for Swordfish, so I watched Swordfish on. Netflix haven't seen it since the theater. I couldn't tell you anything about it, and it's pretty dumb still. Is um, it? I, what is, is is Hugh Jackman like a hacker? He's is that right? I can't. Re- I don't remember a single thing about he's it. Like the, he's a huge nerd <laughs> hacker. <Sure. laughs> <laughs> yeah, like one of the most attractive nerds ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, John Travolta is a guy who's trying to like he might work for the government uh, yeah. as oh, a yeah, shadow yeah, yeah. like. He starts fights with terrorists because these American like that, can't do it. It's it's really strange because it's it's literally pre nine eleven. So like yeah, but uh, the whole movie makes you think that he's the villain, um, just because he's trying to like do yeah. a bank heist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's really to like create this like false flag attack, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, he gets away and changes identity and stuff and. The weirdest part when I first watched it was when that scene where he goes to like the wine cellar and he sees like the 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 other John Travolta corpse. I don't remember this yeah. at all. Uh, but how this game made highlights, uh, like so Don Cheadle's this I don't know FDI I don't guy. Don Cheadle being in it. Yeah. Um. So they're on Hugh Jackman's trail at one point and they're like chasing him and they he. <laughs> he runs to like a fence that's on a beach and then there's like a, you know, 200 foot drop to the beach and he's, <laughs> he's decides to jump over the fence anyway. Uh, and then rolls down the hill and it like ends up rolling down the hill for almost two minutes. <laughs> and then John, Don Cheadle's like, fuck it and follows him. And so they're both rolling down the hill and then Don Cheadle's whatever, like, yes, men follow him around. Uh, he jumps too. And so they're rolling down this hill for a good two minutes and then once Hugh Jackman gets down to the bottom, totally clean, no dust on him, not exhausted, just gets us <laughs> and runs away. And then is immediately hit by the car from like the last FBI agent. It's like, if you could just drive down the hill, like why did everyone roll down? Like, first of all, they should be dead because it was a straight drop. But 
Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't have to watch this. I, I mean, I saw it once 18 years ago. So or 17 when it come out. 2001. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been over 15 years since I've seen it. Yeah. And then like their version of hacking is like a 3D model of a cube that like you unlock the different. Mm. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. Sounds about accurate. The way they test him when they get him to do the first hack is fucking bizarre. Shit. And they yeah blew all their budget on that one uh, explosion scene that that 360 matrix style. Don't remember. Yeah. Um, is it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, now I have to watch it. Yeah, that's how I watched it. <laughs> Um, and then the last next last Netflix thing I watched was season three of Love, which was nice. Um, little less about Gus and uh, Mickey, and more about uh, her roommates um, and the guys the from the Birthday Boys. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's done. I don't know. Is this the this is the show with Jillian Jacobs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they said they were ending it. Yeah. So I haven't seen it, but that's what they said. Um, and then the theater. Oh no! I uh, I finally watched GI Joe the movie. <laughs> the cartoon the cartoon movie oh. from the 80s yeah um which pretty much has the same plot as the transformers movie uh <laughs> you know much like unicron comes to town like a big bad uh megatron gets sidelined uh in this movie there's like globulus or whatever voiced by burgess meredith um <laughs> he kind of puts a uh, cobra commander in his place uh actually turns him into a cobra um <laughs> and then uh, I think it was Hot Rod. After you, uh, Optimus Prime dies, uh, Hot Rod kind of becomes like the new main Transformer. In this movie, Duke gets shot, but he only gets into a coma. Um, so Lieutenant Falcon, voiced by Don Johnson, uh, <laughs> kind of takes the reins. And uh, I think uh, Brian Cummings is uh, Captain. Uh, he's one of the Cobra guys, like Mind. Mind changer I'll or something. To, I'll have to look yeah. it up. Captain Mind Fuck. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Might be exactly that. Awesome. Next time I see Brian, it's going to be like, dude, I love you as Captain Mind Fuck. <laughs> yeah, they stumble onto like this. Uh, apparently, Earth was ruled by plant people for the longest time. Plant um, people. And plant then humans took people. over, and now, uh, now Glob- Globulus is back. He's going to use the cobras to turn the Earth back into like the vegetative paradise that nice. it once was. So. Vegans rejoice. Yeah. Purple um, plant people eater. I went inside Nina Jones and Last Crusade in the theater, and the only notable thing is that even though there's like six of us, uh, and I had the front second row to myself, one dude bought the other seat at my table. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this Not has... just another table in my room. How do they the how other do they... chair right next to me? How do at they my fucking table. know each time? Yeah. Well, I just laugh because that means he's presented with a map of the theater. Yeah. And he's like, man, there's five people in here. And it wasn't like I bought mine that day, so he didn't have it before me. I bought it like a month or two months ahead of time. And he goes, you know what? I bet this guy needs someone to sit next to me. <laughs> or he's like, so, that's my fucking seat. So me personally, if I go to the Alamo or assigned seating and I'm by myself, I don't sit next to someone because I think that's weird. Yeah. If you don't have to, who? I mean, if it was sold out, yeah. I would get it. Yeah. But it was nowhere close to sold out. Did you get leak go and say, hey, can I get another seat? I almost did. Um, I was actually, because it was the same day that Zach was seeing King Cohen. <laughs> I waited outside uh, Zach's uh, theater and like right up until my movie started because I was going to like surprise him um, and hoping that he would come. <laughs> so I could be like, uh, actually, I was hoping my friend could get this seat. <laughs> he was also dressed like Sean Connery as, uh, wow. from the movie. Yeah. 
Hello, and Brian. He said, I'm here to watch the he movie. Sit down and he's like, the dog's name is Indiana. <laughs> no. remember, remember that? Re- remember that in this movie? And they're like, uh, Dad, what? Dad. And wasn't that awesome? And and then there's a fire. That'd be sweet if he did that. I'd like if he, he just did that. Oh. He did just a conversation, but it was it was a lot of me like I'm brooding in my head, and that's like <laughs> short answer and all. He's like, I just want a friend. <laughs> and he starts quoting other Sean Connery movies. <laughs> That's what I feel bad about. Like, maybe he is, like, super lonely, but I, just, I don't have that capacity at, in that moment. Yeah. And then you said, hey, man, why did you sit here? It's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different movie. <laughs> That's the Alamo way. <laughs> um, too funny. <laughs> so more current stuff. Did I talk about uh, Summer of 84 yet? No. On the podcast? No, I don't think so. Um, so that's a horror movie. Um, it's kind of like a, a kind of a Goonies style movie. It was like four kids. Um, they live in this cul-de-sac and they, uh, I think every night, uh, like around sunset, they play, um, what's this game? I guess it's like tag, but there's uh, like different rules to it. Um, and, uh, suddenly like some of them start getting like the kids in their town start getting abducted. Um, and, um, the police chief played by Rich Sommer, um, he's like the main suspect for most of the movie, which you think like, of course that would, it wouldn't be the culprit because they're making so much of a big deal that he's it. Um, so like the whole movie is basically the, the one, the, like the main kid, um, he starts trying to solve the mystery himself. Mm. Um, and then like kind of gets his friends in trouble for doing that. Who did this movie again? I'm sorry. I don't know who did it. Um, he's he's done another like little, uh, maybe not little. It's like an acronym, like RKSS or something. Yeah. I'll look because like, he, he did a movie I like. Um, but it's, it's it's got a great like '80s feel. Um, I just wasn't satisfied with, especially with the very end. Um, like after you find out that, like, so the whole movie they think uh, the police chief did it, and so they're like trying to always like put walkie talkies in his house and like sneaking around town and everything. And did Turbo Kid? Really? Yeah. Huh. I guess the music makes sense. Um, <laughs> but there's three people credited as a director. So you're like constantly waiting to find out like who else did actually did it. Mm-hmm. And then you find out it is the police chief. And then uh, almost the finale makes it seem like they added it as an afterthought because he didn't seem terrifying enough throughout the main movie. Because mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie, he's like doing a job of deflecting and being pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets... You know, he kidnaps two of the kids and, like, dumps them on this island. Um, and they, like, then one of the kids gets his throat slashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like, wow, this took, like, a really, really sharp turn. And that kid was awesome. Um, like, why does he even need to die, like, for this sort of wrap up like this? And then it just leaves you th- with this dread of, also, how did he sneak in the house after the parents got back? I don't know. Stuff like that didn't make sense. But, um, and then I also watched... Um, Bloodfest, which is another horror movie. Um, who did, it's by Rooster Teeth or whatever. Oh, yeah. the the red versus blue guys. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and fun? that was like, so, so there's this kid who's like really into horror movies and stuff, and he watches mom die like by from a home invader. Um, so he grows up, and his dad becomes like a psychologist who like denounces horror movies. Um, and the kid wants to go to horror fest and the dad's like, no, you can't go. Cause like, how's that going to look? I'm trying to sell this book and you know, my kid loves horror. Um, so the kid goes anyway, he finds like a celebrity to get him in. And then, 
So imagine like Lollapalooza, but like for ho- like horror movie stuff. So there's like a or like a theme park where there's like Slasher Land, and then there's mm. like you know the the Conjuring <laughs> Land. You know they're all different like yeah. genres of horror. But it's run by this guy um, who is like a Charlie Day <laughs> <laughs> character, um, and then. So there's all these people gathering at Horror Fest, and then that guy introduces, like, for this one special night, it's all real. And then a bunch of people with chainsaws start killing everyone in the park. Um, and you're like, how is how are, how's he getting away with this? Like, hmm. And how are the cops not showing up? And then, like, there's zombie area, and then people start, like, rising out of the ground and, like, being undead. Like, aren't these just supposed to be actors? Like, how huh. are they actually... Um, so, like, if instead of like enjoying the movie the whole time and just being like well, how is that possible like, yeah how is it like over analyzing because it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. how like, what's happening? the twist like yeah um and you know there's like a you know jurassic park style there's like a central command center where there's like uh tech guys who actually control like what gates open mm-hmm. uh, like cabin where in the, the woods. cameras are like yeah it's like like a shitty cabin in the woods basically <laughs> is what this movie is um yeah, and then they're like, well, how are the guys in the command, like, okay with killing all these people? Like, how are they, like, how getting paid, and why are they in on it? Um, then you find out, like, they aren't. Mm. Like, so it's like, what what's their incentive? Like, some people think it's all fake. Like, they also hire, like, hackers to, like, like they actually, they think they're playing a video game that's, like, so realistic, and, like, has the best mm. graphics, and they're controlling the zombies. Um, yeah. Mm. So, um yeah, and then turns out it's the dad who's actually like. Why are you spoiling movies for me that I'm never going to see? Not gonna see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and the, the the dad basically in uh, got together with the Charlie Day guy, but um, like his whole plan is to make horror like create a crisis so terrible that people will like ban horror from um, you know everyone's mm. lives. And it's like okay, whatever. <laughs> Um, I think I like if it bleeds better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw Teen Titans. Teen, uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Yes, <laughs> I still need to see this. And that's just just total zaniness. <laughs> it like, is the only part I really like are like the nods to like DC yeah. Universe lore and everything. Because <laughs> yeah. there's parts like, oh, this is the well, hotel. That... Oh, is the Green Lantern symbol stuff like that? But like the music's super catchy. I think. <laughs> Um, but overall, it's just like Robin wants to have his own movie, and he goes around killing superheroes <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty dark when they send. <laughs> I love when his he, parents to get killed when he throws the the soda thing in and drowns Aqua Baby. Yeah, the soda ring. Yeah, uh, but it's it's like so fast paced and zany. Like I can't. I, yeah, I saw it like three weeks ago at this point. And it's I out really of control. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the uh, Slade voiced by will arnett also yeah. um his powers he can like distract him it's really like yeah, goofy. Like, what, but... like i don't remember in the comics him having mind control powers no i don't think yeah. that has anything i just think it's they're trying to make it goofy yeah it's it's just it's so goony and uh, goofy and fast-paced it's like it's definitely like not i'm not the audience for it yeah um, i mean i had fun with it and it's i mean they use trikes to go back in time i don't know how yeah, they, they do like, it yeah <laughs> I'm, so, I'm shocked that it's warner brothers but they had the you know back to the future's universal and they had the yeah. full-on back to the future march oh yeah in the movie so i was like how oh stanley stanley cameo stanley yeah that was funny yeah although it went on too long i was like if he yeah. just stayed in the background that would be like, great but then they had to pull him to the front and actually have 
dialogue. And then the last thing I saw was the Happy Time Murders, which I missed from the last episode. Um, and I thought that it was, it was, it's funny, but like, it's kind of like a funny one time thing. Yeah. And then the murder mystery is great up until the end. Um, like, yeah, because it does, it doesn't hold. And I mean, I, I thought it was an okay movie. It doesn't hold very well at the end because I was telling Zach, it seems really like choppy mm-hmm. because it says, oh, there's Elizabeth Banks. And then you go, wait, so she's not involved, but she is involved. They, there's a lot of logic gaps and like whole, not, I wouldn't say plot holes, but logic gaps in terms of like, well, we saw her blow up in a car. So like, was this a UC? Then she appears and then she disappears right again. Right, but she's says, not you know? in on the thing to kill them all. I didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like you're, so you're involved with the female puppet. I don't get it. I, and also like, as, as I said last week, it's lacking an emotional core that it desperately needs. That, but I love like Joe McHale's character in it. Yeah. Cause he's so <laughs> stupid. Put the gun down. I did. <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 sorry. We're sorry. Taking, it to jail. taking off sunglasses. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, I wish the murder mystery had been like it starts out great, like I'm in, I'm in, but then it, yeah, it falls apart by the end. Yeah, it, it it seems like they had to get to their runtime. Yeah, and wrap it up. When I was like, or, well, finish the story, because uh, yeah, like it's just like the I, I'm waiting for the murders to like make this important point. Yeah, I agree. And it's just like, oh well, the, the girl. Wants is, money. Wants money. It's from, too generic for the film. It's for the film that it's supposed to be. And, like, yeah, the, there should have been, I don't know, like, maybe 10, 15 more minutes of this movie to kind of, like, fill in some of these holes. Like, I wouldn't have minded an hour and 40-minute movie, but they really wanted an hour and 31, apparently. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Great. That's it for me. Zach? Cool. Um, well, I'll, um, with Brad, I saw Commando at the Alamo. Oh, yeah. That should be on my list. Um, which I hadn't watched in a while. Um, I, I, I still love it. Um, it's It's... It's not my favorite Schwarzenegger no, movie. Awesome. Why is he carrying all those trees at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, it makes it's him. awesome. That's why? why. <laughs> I, I love that his house the... is made out of logs. So I guess he needs them. Yeah. The opening montage where he's just petting the deer with his <laughs> that just drew some of the biggest laughs in the auditorium. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I I enjoyed rewatching it, and I liked watching it on a big screen too. Because uh, I've never seen it on a big screen. That'd be fun. It, it was it was nice, and like I, I don't know what the transfer level was on that, but it looked fine on the, like in terms of quality. Um, the one thing I'd never noticed before, cause again, not my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. So it's been a while since I've seen this, but when he's doing the final assault on, um, the, uh, compound. on the compound, uh, he's got a, a rocket or a grenade launcher, rocket launcher. He's got a launcher in his, uh, over his hand and he's like shooting it off. And then he just drops it. And it sounds like a milk carton dropping on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's the, it's like they the, didn't add the effect. Like the rocket launcher is actually made out of plastic. Yeah. And no one replaced the sound effect. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, it, it's literally just like a situation of just like, oh, wait, you can't hear, add a big thump to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, um, but the rest of the movie is awesome. Just like him fucking like. I love 80 act- 80s action movies. Um, just there's some, some sort of charm to them that you can't replicate anymore. Even. The shitty ones like Cobra, I think it was on my '87 film explosion. Oh yeah, because it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. But in Commando is pretty fun. You just it's those movies where you just got to watch them and have fun because if you try to overanalyze it, then you're missing the point. It's a dude, a big muscular dude that kills people because they threaten to kill his or they kidnap his daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah, the guy who's like mainly focused on like dis- dispatching with John Matrix though. He's like really, awesome. he really wants to kill that kid. He's he's incredibly creepy. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So 
That was fun. Um, Please don't wake up, my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> that was my hundredth movie of the year. Was it really? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, I uh, rewatched Cinderella Man um, on Blu-ray because uh, I got a bunch of uh, Blu-rays from work. Um, I still love that movie. I hadn't seen it in a while, though. Uh, it's, all right. it's not the best Russell Crowe movie by Andy Stretch. What's the best Russell Crowe movie? Oh, I really like A Beautiful Mind. Um, but Gladiator's really fucking good. I yeah. Um, nice guys. Yes, but like I, um, I don't hold it as high as the other ones because I grew up with the other ones. Um, yeah, it's number seven on every list. Um, but uh, I, I I still love it. Um, it's set in the '30s, so it caters to me specifically. But um, Paul Giamatti's great in that fucking flick. Like he's he. Sounds I think he's. Movie. I think it's Ron he's, Howard, right? Yeah, Ron Howard, and um, I just realized I watched Negotiator. And that's Paul Giamatti in it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great in this one. Um, I, I he was nominated uh, for best supporting actor that year too, so that's pretty fucking cool for him. Uh, rewatched Dread um, on Blu-ray as that's well. An awesome movie. Yeah, that's a slick, efficient flick that I want a sequel to yesterday, and we'll never get it. I hope they come through that TV show. Um, but it looked amazing. But they have the the Blu-ray has the 3D version on the same disc as the 2D version. Mm-hmm. So like I hadn't seen Dread since theaters so for the first couple minutes i was like did i did i activate the 3d version because i've got a 3d player in my mm-hmm. uh, setup so but then i was like no 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 this is how it's supposed to look like fucking like bright and colorful as shit um and uh i watched spy for the first time uh paul Feig's flick with melissa mccarthy that movie's fucking funny i loved it i hadn't really i wish i had seen it in theaters I, this is my Probably my favorite Jason Statham anything other than Crank movies. Cause, That's pretty great in them. Yeah, he <laughs> he keeps telling Melissa McCarthy, "You're gonna fuck this up." <laughs> and then, like the very ending is awesome because he just walks off like the lone hero, even though he's done absolutely nothing throughout Does this entire. Does he know that's a lake? <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck do I get to Italy? <laughs> Uh, and um, but Rose Rose Byrne is really good in it too. Oh, yeah, I, awesome. I I love her and Melissa McCarthy working off each other. I wish that they'd do another one together. Um, and uh, Jude Law's really fun in it too. Um, for for the portion he's in. Um, uh, and also Melissa McCarthy's friend uh that works in intelligence with her is funny as shit. Um, when she tackles Fifty Cent to the ground as a distraction, it's fucking funny. Um, I uh picked up the. IFC Midnight Film Ghost Stories on a Whim um, on Blu-ray because it's only twelve bucks. Uh, that's fucking that's a fucking contender for film explosion. It's really fucking good. Um, it's a based on a British play um, and it co-stars Martin Freeman, so that's pretty much your selling point on the poster. But it's basically a um, a, a skeptic investigator who has his own like documentary TV series is called upon by his life hero to investigate three cases that he could never solve and uh basically it's an anthology movie Uh, i got this on your recommendation with my gift card so if you made me waste my gift card on shit i'm gonna be pissed i don't think wait shite because it's english i don't think you're gonna be disappointed i think you'll like the way it moves and flows uh this film's this film's obviously like it's not like it's not shittily shot it's actually like gorgeously (laughs) shot it's not gorgeous it's it's gorgeously shot but you can tell it's a low budget because they shoot it economically, but th- that works in its favor. So they rely more on tension, letting stuff breathe out. But the movie is only ninety-eight minutes, so like they're very 
they're efficient while being patient, which I really appreciate. Um, and the last 20 minutes is fucking insane. It's wonderful. Um, Martin Freeman's astounding in it um, for the portion that he's in. Um, and uh, and Andy Nyman, the guy who plays the lead throughout the entire movie, is great. The ending is – I won't spoil it because Ryan hasn't seen it yet. But I feel like while I wasn't like amazed by it at first, I thought about it later on. And I was like, no, that's an interesting ending, especially for a anthology movie because anthology movies to me in the horror genre specifically never tend to like – they always kind of seem to be on their own. They have very little connective tissue other than trick or treat, I think. Um, but this one's like the anthology element is kind of like a gimmick to get you into this full rounded story. So, um, it's interesting. I highly recommend it. Um, I got the universal monster box set. So I've been going through those. I've already talked about those films in the past, so I won't go through each and every one of them, but the one I had the most fun we watching was the mummy because I hadn't really, Dug I did it. like the quote you pulled from it on fa- when you posted on fa- posted it on Facebook on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. I didn't tweet it with my tweeters. Um, no, I, I it, it was it's the one that I don't watch the most. So like I like watching it now, like yeah, having. I, like, I think it's the weakest of all of them. Yeah, but because it, it's essentially a remake of Dracula, but um, and it even opens with the same Swan Lake cue for its uh, music at the beginning. Um, but Karloff's great, and he's oh, obviously yeah. the one to watch. Zita Johan, though, who plays the the girl that he's convinced is uh, An- An- Anxunamen, is really fucking good. Uh, and when you hear about her uh, stories and troubles with Carl Freund, the director, you realize, oh, shit, she was a Me Too warrior before anybody today. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'm going to keep going through them because I've gone through some of the main classic ones. I haven't gotten into the sequels yet, which I have not seen in a long-ass time. So I think the next one I have is Bride of Frankenstein and then Werewolf of London and Dracula's Daughter. Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, on the new front, though, I saw Operation Finale, which is Oscar Isaac uh, playing a Nazi hunter who takes down Ben Kingsley playing Adolf Eichmann. Um, it's okay. It's um, not anything groundbreaking. It's it's like a it's like a TBS afternoon thriller to watch, like a like that kind of thing. Like it's it's fun, it's serviceable, but and it makes you think, but it doesn't like demand to be seen at the cur- like like right away. Like there's there's more powerful movies out there right now that are covering the similar subject and doing a more effective job of it. But if you don't know this story of how they caught Adolf Eichmann, it might be worth your time to take a look. Um, and Ben Kingsley is really good at playing Adolf Eichmann. Like, he plays him like an asshole, which it's... Because uh, he, he, yeah, he was, because he's a fucking Nazi. <laughs> um, uh, and Oscar Isaac's good in it, too. Um, and um, the girl from Inglorious Bastards who played Shoshana, um, Melanie Laurent, isn't it? Um, but she's kind of underused in the film, which kind of sucks. Um and then also Nick Kroll's in it too, and he's actually really he's really fucking good in the movie. Um, he doesn't have like a huge big dramatic moment, but he's like he's kind of like David Cross in the Post, where he's like he's serviceable and like helps get things done, you know. So I appreciate it. Um, I saw Crazy Rich Asians, um, which I. I was walking into going like, oh, this is going to be another dumb romantic comedy, and I don't like romantic comedies anymore because they got ruined by Katherine Heigl. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, it reminds me of an old-fashioned 
uh, rom-com from the early 30s or 40s and stuff like that, where in terms of like, it's not afraid to embrace glamour in a classy way. Uh, the soundtrack's really interesting mix of modern music and also classical kind of like jazz, jazzy kind of numbers that are sung in Chinese. So it's really fucking cool. Um, or, um, and, uh, the, the two leads are awesome. The one thing this movie does so well is that the characters that you're following throughout the entire film, you, you are set up to love them instantly because they set them up rather than kind of just thrusting you, um, and expecting charisma. Like they, they built, they give you reasons to like them or to want to follow their story. Um, and Aquafina, who was in the, um, Ocean's 8 movie, she's, again, the standout part of the movie. Um, she's really fucking funny in it. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. Um, <clears throat> Henry said it's his number two on his list. I love to see this on the list cause it made me like studio rom comedy again, or at least like gives me hope that they could do a good job with that genre going forward. Um, and, uh, uh, I also saw the Meg, uh, which I didn't watch the week before, uh, or the two weeks before when you guys saw it. Um, it's dumb but fun. Like you said, it's a sci-fi movie on a large budget. Um, Jason Statham's probably the only reason I'd rewatch it. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good in it. Yeah, I like him. It, I, I like – there are certain shots in it that are really fucking cool, especially near the end where he's like nearly avoiding the shark's mouth and stuff like that. I think my issue with the film, honestly, is, is that it should have been an R-rated movie full of blood and guts and gore and shit. It shouldn't have been this tame PG-13 bullshit. Um, so I – I, from and from what I read after seeing the movie, like Statham and Turtle, no, John Turtletop were apparently really pissed about having to bring it down to PG thirteen because that wasn't their intention. So um, that sucks. Uh, rewatch Black Klansman. It's a great movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and uh, the last thing I saw um, before I connected to Ryan, um, I rewatched Contact this morning, um, which I hadn't seen Did in you a need long. Sleep? No, I actually I I liked the movie, but I hadn't watched it in a fucking long time. Wait, um, there's something out there. Yep, that's Contact. <laughs> it's 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 much more watchable than what you're describing. Um, but it's a Zeke, it's a Zemeckis film that, like I said, it's a Zemeckis film I don't go back to a bunch. So, so. boring. Um, no, it's, it's it's not really. It's a little long, but it's not boring. Like I it wish it would. Who does uh, she talk to at the end? She talks to her father, but it's not her father. Okay, because it's they're they're trying to create a comfortable environment for her so they can explain what's going on when she enters Sweet. the universe. I need two and a half hours to get to there. All I know I'm not is saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying you need two and a half hours. Your hair is the perfect like move for that. But, but the, it took two and a half hours to get there. Um, uh, I forgot Jake Busey's in that movie though, and he's the guy who blows up the first um, interdimensional portal that they do, and he's just all kinds of fucking nuts, and he's he's got that that's that Jake Busey that Busey stare. It's a family thing, and he just like and is like it, it, they've got like expressive eyes and expressive teeth. I don't know how else to explain it, but the Buseys do have that. Um, and Matthew McConaughey, I think honestly, is the like lamest part of that film even though he should be a more efficient part of it because he's supposed to provide these great arguments but they don't spend too much time with him instead we spend more time with dickish tom scarrett um who then dies honorably so it was fun i enjoyed it um and then the last thing i saw with uh, ryan was the nun yes the nun the sixth film fifth sixth fifth film in the uh, universe fifth 
fifth, yeah, because uh, Annabelle two and Conjuring twos. So, but anyway, we saw the nun. Yeah, it was it was all right. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, so it takes place at the demon Valak, who is I guess he's like the main demon throughout kind of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically tracing how he got set free um, in this Romanian church no it's a, what do we call the nunnery nunnery i'd call it the that nunnery. right is that what they're called no they're i don't covenant? i wasn't catholic <laughs> the covenant a place where nuns live and um so it, actually the opening's pretty great a it's, nun shed <laughs> the nun house um the opening's great with these two nuns and they're attacked by the demon and this one nun kills herself uh i won't spoil why she kills herself but you kind of figure it out throughout the film uh, I love um, the way they shot that scene. Isn't by the suicide way, a sin against God? Ooh, Ooh but oh. you see, that's an important part of this movie. Yeah, so they <laughs> so they send a priest, a rabbi. <laughs> uh, they send a priest and oh, a shit. And that would have been an amazing in, movie. Uh, if it was by Mel Brooks, that's what would have happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the nun <laughs> and a nun who hasn't been ordained or what do they call? I don't even know what they call being get taken her vows. She hasn't taken her vows, so she wears I'm very white. Religious. She wears white instead of black and white. Yeah. Um, so she's pre-nun. She's pre-nun. <laughs> um, and the movie, I mean, it's 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 shot well. Uh, it's not. It's a guy trying to ape <coughs> off of James Wan, and he doesn't pull it off quite as well. Where when you watch a Conjuring film, mm-hmm. uh, James Wan's really good at setting up scares. This guy tried to set him up, but just not quite as effective. And he does this thing where he's trying to do the out of focus, like let your eyes focus into the scene thing where it's out of focus, but then in focus. And he does it sporadically and in weird places that don't make sense in the movie. Yeah, and so when James Wan has stuff going on in the background, it just happens. In this one, every time Valak showed up in the background, it went, mm-hmm. like, it just gave a cue. And I get they're trying to, that's kind of his, the demons thing, but... Um, it was all right. Uh, if it, it's a better than Annabelle, but it's not better than The Conjuring Two, is how I put them. Or Annabelle Creation. Or Annabelle Creation. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I still have to see Creation. I really um, for But it, sorry. I. Uh, no, it's. I. I. Uh, I don't. It's enough to keep me interested in that yeah, universe. Yeah, it's an interesting story. And the thing is, is like I don't like. I don't think I necessarily needed a prequel for the Nun. But it's okay for what I got. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I like the way they connected it to the first Conjuring at the end. Yeah, it's not really scary. Because um, you kind of know what you're going into. Yeah, you know, I rewatched the opening to the Conjuring to see and that it's exactly that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if they maybe reshot it or re-edited it for The Nun. Oh, am I spoiling? I guess not. Um, but it's... Uh, I, actually, I really like the character of Frenchie. I didn't know if I'd like him. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning, I go, oh, he's just the well. He disappears for a minute, Aaron too. Boy, but he's kind of cool at the end. I, I didn't like the super over the top supernatural stuff mm-hmm. with the, they they deal with the blood of Christ in it, and it's just it's too far fetched. Mm-hmm. Where the Conjuring is so grounded in reality. I, I do like that moment though, where she uh, does what she does with Jesus's blood, and it's yeah, awesome. yeah, I know it's cool. It looks great. Spoilers: You need Jesus's blood to defeat evil, guys. Yeah, um, it looks great. His actual That's about blood. It. Um, and the also, demon's scary. Also, I thought Damien Bashir, who, if you don't know him, he was um, he, he was in Hateful Eight and uh, that Paul White's movie that uh, about a gardener in L.A. But um, I wish they'd given him more to do. Yeah, because he seemed kind of like a tool, like or like I, I don't know how to put it. Like he doesn't like 
he he has a backstory involving an exorcism that went wrong, but I don't really get a lot of time with that that yeah. I would have liked. It's a, he's he, I don't feel and, his guilt very much. And also Tessa Farmiga's character, her, who's really good in the movie, she's really good, but her character's kind of ill-defined at moments. It is. It makes more sense when you find out the twist what's really going on with why she's there. Yeah, but even then um, I'm still kind of like, well, you didn't really do a great job yeah. at giving I don't I don't need you to tell me, but give me some breadcrumbs to follow yeah. to the gingerbread house that you're creating. Yeah. So, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. But, you know, caution, it's not going to blow your mind. Nope. Conjuring 3 will apparently though. I don't know. We'll see. Um, also, oh. I want to make a college comedy called Nun House. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Uh, I watched a few things. I, on Netflix, they released a cartoon called Paradise PD. About It's made by the guys who did Brick, Brickleberry without Daniel Tosh. So just the same animation studio and writers. Mm. Um, and it's about this inept police department. And it's really raunchy, but it's really funny. Um, <laughs> the opening is the, this kid, his dad's super cop, and he's this chief of the police department. And so all he wants to be is be a cop like his dad. And one day his dad's like fucking his mom and the kid comes in and he thinks his mom's in trouble because he, he hears like, ur, ur. and he's like, daddy, I'm going to be a cop like you. And he has his gun. And so he pulls a trigger and blows off one of his dad's balls. And then he, they show it. It's like a scrotum. And they, he does it again. And it's, uh, it's tons of curse words. There's a dog like Brian from family guy, but all he does is do drugs and so he's a drug sniffing dog, but he only stays in the evidence room and does drugs. <laughs> and then he gives, I forget what drug he gives to all the dogs in town, but it has chocolate in it. So it kills them all. <laughs> and so he's, he's like, what am I going to do? And then it, the scene cuts and it comes into the chief and says, I forget the dog's name. He says, sorry to tell you all your friends committed suicide. They're all found dead in their, uh, dog houses with the same suicide note. <laughs> it's like, this. it's just a bunch of paw prints. Um, it's, it's it's stupid shit like that. So it's it's not, all pretty accurate to your experience. Yeah, very. Yeah. It's not like a great cartoon, but it's pretty funny. Um, so I, I think I've watched three episodes. Uh, I, I think there's ten available. I haven't made like a huge like binge straight through for it. But if you want to watch something that's totally disposable, it's great. Um, and, and I like tons of cursing. Um, there's Hobo Cop. <laughs> they pick up this hobo guy and deputize him. Because they're gonna, they use them for, because they can't afford a, a bomb robot, so they put, they deputize homeless guys to defuse a bomb, and <laughs> so so that they blow up, they don't care. Wow. Yep, it's funny. Um, you know, uh, so it's RoboCop, and he's like RoboCop, but RoboCop. Mm -hmm. uh, I also watched Tag, uh, which is. It was funnier than I thought it was going to be. I wasn't sure on it. I know you guys uh, mentioned it. So I, I, I first time I ran a movie on Redbox in forever. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It has an emotional core I wasn't expecting. Um, but anything with Jeremy Renner was great when it did like super slow-mo. And he says, he thinks I'm gonna, he's going to catch me by surprise. But he's not. <laughs> it just <laughs> goes back and forth. Um, just a goofy movie, and it's pretty fun. Hannibal uh, Burris is funny as fuck in that movie. He is pretty good. I mean, that, I mean, the opening's great, where Ed Helms takes a job as a janitor to, to <laughs> just a tag. Uh, 
John Hamm's character. How'd you feel about the, the Leslie Bibb going into the miscarriage scene? Because that was, was funny. That was, that was it was funny, but it was the one moment where I was like, "Oh, uh, where's this going?" And then it then it flips the way it does. And I was yeah, like, ah. it's yeah, it's fun. Uh, I mean, she, it, it's cool. Uh, spoilers, because she's you know I, I like it that she's part of the game. Yeah, and even though she's not supposed to be. And then the end was really fun when they're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish Rashida Jones had more to do because I really like her. And I thought her character was kind of just a foil. But, yeah. You know, that's all right. Yeah, it's she, fun. She just shows up. I don't like a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but the movie's fun. It's, it's more fun than I thought it would be, especially for a premise of um, playing tag for the um, first time. And, you know, I even laughed at the end where uh, all bets were off at the wedding and they did that slow mo of Ed Helms running up and then it got really serious. I'm like, oh, this isn't as funny. <laughs> Good stuff, though. Uh, I watch Operation Petticoat with Cary Grant, where he's uh, in charge of a submarine in World War II that mm-hmm. is out of commission. So he has uh, Tony Curtis shows up and steals all these parts from the Naval Yard so they can get it going. It's a pretty goofy movie, but Cary Grant's really great in it. He's He plays a more of a subtle kind of comedy throughout the film, uh, and it, he it's really good at it. Tim um, and Tony Curtis, right? Yeah, it's uh, and Tony Curtis is great in it. Uh, I don't it, remember if I've seen that or not. I'm probably not. Uh, I'll have uh, if you want. Bro, I, I didn't know Olive made signature collections of Blu-rays because I know Olive usually just puts out movie only editions. Mm. And so Operation Petticoat came with like a slip cover and it has three hours of special features. It's pretty awesome. Maybe they do it for some of the older films yeah, so that they, they have, still own. <laughs> I know they have Father Goose too. That they're really expensive. So I I don't really. I only got one. Um, one million dollars. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I watched Hereditary. Ooh, Which I think's not good. I wow. Um, it, it, I like slow burn horror films. I do, but mm-hmm. this one takes way too long to get to where it's going, mm-hmm. and then it just falls apart at the end. I don't think it's scary. People said it's like the scariest ending ever. Um, no, that's uh, not the, the scariest the setup, ending ever. Because I, I, I've seen too many films where someone's crawling on the walls, someone's acting. Have you seen it, Brad? No, no. It's the only part that was really well done is um there there's a death in it that's pretty uh, horrific mm-hmm. um and i think the reaction is pretty cool uh not cool like oh this is awesome what happened but how it's shot and how it's handled yeah but it takes so long for the film to tell its story and i'm not impressed with the story it's something i've seen before um and then it goes batshit crazy and it tries to over explain stuff and I, I just don't like it. I don't like horror films like that. I have the same problem with The Shining. The Shining over explains itself. Where people think The Shining is really ambiguous, I think it's stupid. Um, I like the film, The Shining, but then it's just too much at the end. And I feel the same way about uh, Hereditary because it goes off the rails and they give you, supposed to give you clues throughout the film but they, they 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 do. I mean, I I it sucks. I I, I wish you had loved it because then we could have geeked out about it together. I like it a lot, but my frustration, the frustration I had with it is at the end of the day, it is another Rosemary's Baby ending or Devil Devil Cult movie. Yeah, it... but I like the way they execute it. The, yes, it is long, but I guess for me, when I saw it in the theater. I didn't notice the time. It's 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 two hours long, and it feels the pacing of it, the direction, the cinematography makes it feel way longer. 
and I'm not shocked by stuff that happens. And I guess I'm supposed to be shocked when she saws her head off. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to be shocked when he smashes his face into the uh, desk. But I, I just, the whole time, I'm like, meh. Did you like the Babadook? Yeah, I love the Babadook. I feel like what I liked about Hereditary, and, and, and again, you're probably going to disagree on this, but I think like Hereditary, like Babadook, does a good job at not just operating as a horror movie. It uh, operates as a interesting look at a family yeah. declining but i will agree i don't think it's the scariest film of the year no because in order to do that you'd have to actually challenge a trope of horror like the way something from blumhouse has been doing the past couple of times well here's the difference too the babadook is dealing with a family dynamic of the mom um deteriorating mm-hmm. and is the babadook real I, I i would say no right i think the babadook is not real I think it's the mom not getting sleep right. and uh, not being able to deal with her husband dying and trying to raise this child who needs special care. Whereas Hereditary's... Hereditary decides that it's going to be straight horror, mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't have a problem with it. But then, I mean, it it breaks its rules, but doesn't explain the rules it's breaking. Right. Uh, okay. I'm going to explain it because I don't care. Um, <laughs> so Tony Collette plays a woman whose family suffers from schizophrenia and has problems with it or dementia. Mm-hmm. So she suffers all these tragedies. And then at the end of the film, be, I don't want to say how she, why she goes this way, but she, so she starts, she's the one who's crawling on the walls. Mm-hmm. But so how can she crawl on the walls? Well, they, I, I, I thought it was because the, uh, the schizophrenia element was, uh, was a red herring like communism. Um, in order to distract from the fact that it was just a straight up devil cult, because that's what well, if it's a devil cult and she's possessed, that's fine. So she's possessed and she can um, float in the air and saw her head off. They were my my the yes. Yeah, so so, the, so when did she go and dig up her mom's grave? That is another thing they don't explain. They um, don't explain anything in this film, and I, I guess it's trying to be ambiguous, but it just it, it just leaves me like wanting more. And I thought the most interesting character disappears in the film. Mm. 40 minutes into the film. But she's technically in but that whole movie. Her presence is, is there. And she's she's supposed to be the the demon is supposed to be in her. Right. And I get that part, but I don't the <laughs> I get I get what you're saying. It's I, just I, and, too, and, it's it's too ambiguous. I um I won't see Rosemary's Baby. I refuse to see Roman Polanski films. Right. But but you, you, I know enough of Rosemary's Baby and I know enough of what happens in it and this movie just didn't do it for me. I yeah. I I get why people like it. Um, it's and here's at the end of the day, it's artsy people trying to make a horror film, mm-hmm. and they way overcomplicate it and don't explain enough. And so it's an excuse to say, "Oh well, this is an artsy horror film. Mm. This is a film that's artsy, and we can pass it off with the gore and the over the top stuff." But it doesn't explain. It would make more sense to me if she suffered from schizophrenia and it was. Like right. the grandparents in the visit where they suffer from dementia and you think it's some supernatural thing, but it's really not supernatural. It's just, you know, the the disease. I'd like to rewatch it again with with your review in mind. I mean, I like the film a lot. And that's fine. It, um, I, I'm definitely in the minority on Hereditary. Yeah, I, I get um, it. But uh, but I will I will concede where even when I saw it, I was like, yeah, there's it, it turns it turns too traditional by the end. But I do I, that that film. I think you might even concede that it's beautifully shot. Oh yeah, it's, no, there's it's amazing. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the way the film's made. It's just. It's just the way. It's, it's just boring. Yeah. Well, for sure. Well, it's boring. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a movie. I think if you like horror films, you should see it. I'm gonna um, write a book to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, done. 
Um, this Zach, week, you know I don't read. <laughs> Throw it at me. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Peppermint. Brad, should people go see Peppermint? I don't know. I didn't see it. All right. Zach, should people go see Peppermint? Mm. Matinee or Netflix. I don't think you need to go pay a full price for it. Um, Jennifer Garner is the reason to watch this for me. Uh, the story, while dark, I, I felt like it's uneven for me, and there's some twists that happen that I don't understand because they're not fleshed out enough. But I had my eye was fixed on that screen the entire time because Jennifer Garner's performance is so awesome that it's worth watching for that. Um, I missed watching her kick butt. So, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this film because I a part of me misses action films that are just mean mm-hmm. and violent. And this film uh, is really mean and violent um, because it's Very a driving so. force behind why Jennifer Garner's character is who she is. Uh, there's a great scene in a pinata factory um, <laughs> that's really fun or sell warehouse. I don't know what it is. Lots of pinatas are in there. Um, They're counting money there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a front for drugs. But yeah, I, I liked it. And I think if you're looking for a mean, brutal uh action film there's not very is there any funny parts in this movie i don't think there is other than the other than the beginning of the flashback and one moment where something from the beginning of that flashback pays off again yeah we'll talk about it there's 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 some fun things but it's more just lean mean balls to the wall she's going around killing people here's a trailer for peppermint who's my girl my girl has love in her heart and snow in her eyes and peppermint in her blood. Happy birthday, kiddo. Mrs. Norris? I'm very sorry for your loss. We have three suspects in custody, but they're all linked to the Garcia cartel. No witnesses have been willing to step up. These cartels are no joke. They've got everyone in their pockets. You've been through a terrible tragedy. Maybe you didn't see what you think you saw. That's him. Maybe you've made a mistake. Number three. Number five. Number four. They did it. Is it possible that your recollection isn't what you thought it was? The evidence is insufficient to hold the defendants over for trial. You think that you're going to have justice? Make them all pay. Five years ago, Riley North just disappeared. Completely off the grid. So she spends the last five years doing what? Training. Well, that's new. Be honest and think Riley North did this. Today's the five-year anniversary of her family's murder. She's back. Judges, dirty cops. What do I want? I want justice. It's not a coincidence that makes this area low crime. It is low crime because of her. At least somebody's doing something. Find her. I don't care if you have to burn the city down. Watching someone take everything from you, it turns you into somebody else. Social media is lit up with support for her. She's a multiple homicide suspect. Not to them, she's not. Outmanned and now gone. How you really 
many things is gonna go. I will kill every one of you. And then I'll pretty much wing it from there. The two funny moments are um, uh, involving good. So Jennifer Garner's character is a, is a mom who has to work a job um, and her husband has to work a job. Oh, yeah, so she's was, trying to so basically the kid, their kid is like in a, in a Girl Scout troop of some kind. And there's this uppity suburban or like, I want to say like wealthy mom from Beverly Hills or from, something from South. Oh, I can't remember Beverly the, Hills. That's where <laughs> I want to be. Um, but she, uh, gets in her face and Jennifer Garner kind of like is polite about it and just kind of firm with it. And the kid says, you should have kicked her. You should have punched her in the face. And then that pays off right afterward when she does come to her all bloodied up and punches her in the face. And then actually the, the line where she says, I'm going to set your house on fire right now with you in it is pretty fucking funny to me. Yeah. But then she says, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, in the movie, Jennifer Garner plays a mom named Riley. She, um, Zach alluded to it. She, her daughter has a birthday party, but the bitchy mom scheduled a party too and invited the whole school. So no one goes to the little girl's birthday party. Uh, her, Which is honestly sad and like made me like, yeah, wanna, like punch because the little girl is really cute. Um, I know. So her husband too is going to, he's going to decide that he might rob this cartel. Then he decides not to, but the guy who runs the cartel doesn't care. They go to the Christmas festival and his family's mowed down. Her family's mowed down. She Not goes, before she orders peppermint ice cream. Yeah, so the, the peppermint title. comes from the ice cream. Um, and so Jennifer Garner finds out that this whole system's corrupt. Corrupt lawyers, corrupt judges. Um, they dismiss the trial, and she's going to put on a mental health hold, and she breaks out. She disappears for five years, trains like an ultimate fighting, comes back and just starts killing them. Um, if I say I'm, my one complaint, I guess, about this film, actually, because I, I really like the movie, mm-hmm. um, is uh, they've spent so much time with the dudes who like shot her, actually shot her family. Mm-hmm. But they have that little scene at the beginning where she wastes that dude. She's like, "You remember me?" And she like blows his brains out. Right. Um, but then she hangs them from like a Ferris wheel predator style. But you don't see how she got the rest of them. Yeah, Man, that would have been awesome. To see her like hunt the rest of these guys down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's- yeah, she comes back and just starts fucking killing drugs people. It's pretty awesome to me. Yeah. No. Yeah. And th- those parts are great. I'm not. Dis- I will never dispute that. Watching Jennifer Carter kick butt any time of the day is worth my money. Uh, however, though, um, she looks great too. Is she oh, 47, 46? Oh, I think maybe even a year younger than that. I think she's like forty-five. But she's in like. I, was like, she's I don't know. I'll text Ben Affleck and find out. Freaking um, muscles, man. Put me to shame. Oh, actually, that was that was rude of me. They're no longer together anymore. Oh, I'm sad. Also, get well, Ben. You're in rehab. Um, uh, he's he's busting out, and he's been working out like Batman. Yeah, um, I think he's going to be in the new Batman movie. But anyway, uh, but my issue with with the film is nowhere near Jennifer Garner because she she gives her all in each thing she's given to do. It's everything else around her. I, I don't like. Th- so there's a detective who is assigned to her case when the family's first murdered, and he seems like he's on the up and up and stuff like that. Cut to five years later, he's like a depressed alcoholic or something like that, like pouring liquor in his coffee, and then gets like it seems like he gets reinvigorated to solve the case. One, his twist makes no sense. So the twist is that he's been working for Garcia the entire time. Garcia is the cartel. See, I kind of lied to you because I think they set up enough where maybe it was his partner. Because, See, that's what I wanted it to be was the partner, well, not that I wanted it, but it, it seems that one seemed too obvious. I'm like, oh, it's going to turn out, it's going to be. 
the uh, you know the Hispanic partner is going to be working for Which the Mexican cartel. But at least that would have made more sense. No, that is what makes. I think this one's cooler because he's basically so throughout the film he's telling him to be careful who he talks to and mm-hmm. he's really the bad guy mm-hmm. and um, so so then did he set her up or set it up for her to fail the first time so yeah so my guess is he followed he got in the ambulance with her because he's going to get rid of her okay um, so he like followed her out and he's like hurry her family just died I think it was I thought it was just he joined the cartel because she got he got hit with the with the, with the uh Oxygen tank, and he's just like, "Do I'm angry now." <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I interpret it differently. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but I don't know. Like again, like it. Even if you gave me in like an extra ten minutes, I wouldn't have minded this being like a two-hour no. movie. No. Um, if you give me an extra ten I just minutes, I want to see her hang those dudes up like Predator. Yeah, that that too. Um, but also like, I don't know. Like I mean, just like, there's nothing really necessarily wrong with like the way they're executing it. Because again, like this, this reminds me of a mean, as you said, a mean action flick. But it, it's it, it just feels too similar to stuff that I prefer to watch. I don't know. I mean, there's... I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I'd be going back to this anytime soon as opposed to, say, like, I'm not a big fan of Taken, but I'd probably go back to Taken before I'd go back to this. I don't know. I, I, I do like, too. So a lot of times action films, I mean, they have in this, too, where it's cut, 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 cut. Right. But there's some badass moments, like, they're in that pinata factory, and she pushes over... A shelf and it pins a dude against his oh, thing, yeah. and she puts the gun up to his head and just pulls a trigger, and it doesn't cut. It's just like him going boom, and his brain's blowing out. I like when um, it's it's similar. It's, it's in the same scene as the pinata when they're like in the store element, yeah. or, like the aisles. She goes down on the ground, and the feet are sticking out <laughs> from underneath the shelf, and she just shoots, and then his her the feet explode. It's oh god, it's pretty. It cruel. is a pretty awesome. badass scene. Um, also, I liked the way she disguised herself as a. Homeless cart lady yeah. to slice those fools up at the front of the pinata store. Yeah, it's because he's just, the, the another cart lady comes by and she's just like, I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny though is you watch enough movies that were are shot in L.A. You start recognizing. So the judge's house is Buffy's house, I believe, from Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer. I always know when they go up Mulholland because. Oh, by the way, that scene with the judge where she's like, I, I, I like that scene a yeah. lot. No, she's really good. Again, like this has a. Oh, it's really good in that because she's she she goes into the judge's house and he's corrupt too, and she says, "I'll let you live if you can remember my name," and he can't remember her name. And well, also his mouth is taped up yeah. too, so even if he remembered, yeah, it's awesome. She, her, she already made her fucking mind up. Yeah, it's um, awesome. But yeah, I, again, like, and I'll I mean maybe when it comes out on Netflix, I'll rewatch it again for to find out what the cops' situation is. But like at the end of the day, like. It's not doing anything too unique that I haven't seen before in terms sure. of like that sort of thing. So maybe that's why I'm not as enthralled by it. Um, also, I mean, I know that it's important in the context of the story, but the social media thing fucking bothered me. I don't know why. Like they spend too much time with it. Like if you had just kind of like alluded to that painting, that fucking mm-hmm. badass mural of yeah. her and made that more the center of the situation and then also the cell phone scene, those are enough for me. But like, they spend a lot of time on like explaining that people are learning about her where I'm just like, I get it. They're going to learn eventually through all like, I know how the internet works. So I know that they'll do research and find out, Oh, she was involved in another case. So now for she's avenging her family. But like they take a solid 30 seconds to explain them. And it's like, chop that out, put something else yeah. in like her stringing up those guys on the Ferris wheel. That's how you cut and replace shit. And I don't know what it is, but again, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but 
and I'll there's s- a great scene uh, where they they set the the I guess the drug warehouse and it blows up and they think she's in it mm-hmm. and the drug cartel guy's like ah oh, that's awesome and then they cut to this news reporter and she said you saw riley north get out he says oh yeah man she was fucking pissed she stole this dude's car and drove off fast and then it just cuts yeah. <laughs> to this to this other breaking thing like it was a, it's a weird cut but it's really effective <laughs> in terms of just like yeah it's good the insanity of this um i i, I the villain's good um What's the deal with his daughter later on? Like, did she get away okay? I guess so. I hope so. Yeah. Yep. She'd be like, oh, you know what this is? Peppermint is, like, going to follow up on Kill Bill Could Never Do, which is do the kill kill the bride. <laughs> kill Peppermint. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do like, too, at the end, she wastes the drug cartel leader guy. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it didn't end with her giving up. I'm like, no, kill that motherfucker. Right. And, she and I like to, I, I mean, like, Giving her the key to go free and whatnot. I'm like, okay, yeah. whatever. But I mean, because we need a sequel, right? It's like Batman, you know. Yeah, she I don't can be the you hero. Man. You can never be. Yeah, <laughs> you can be the hero. This city's never had. That's the other thing. This this movie was one big old. We want to do a Batwoman movie, but we don't That'd have the rights. <laughs> I take it. Yeah. Uh, next week on uh, Real Nerds podcast, we're seeing the Predator. The new they have a huge new stand and it's just the skulls making the credit predator mask like so it's like the poster but it's gigantic mm-hmm. oh, that's badass yeah um so yeah stay tuned for that it'll As... be number seven on my list this year <laughs> probably Shane, Shane Black, Black, is Black is number seven eternal number seven my new documentary about Shane Black um, so yeah thanks for listening Brad good seeing you buddy yeah see you in a while been a while yeah been a while we can't afford it we can't afford it <laughs> we can't afford it. <laughs> And it's been a while. I don't know this song at all. I just know it's been a while. I re- Since I've heard it. I rescind any legal obligation. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.